happening party people welcome to talking during movies the podcast where we or i or the guests yeah maybe you as well if you're playing along at home take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a two-hour conversation and today was a great one uh my new good friend co-founder of independence brewing here in the beautiful austin texas creators of power and light Woohoo! stash ipa my friend Amy came, and she was she was on point, man. It was we had so much fun. Uh, it was it was epic. We did Days and Confused. It was awesome. Matthew McConaughey, shout out there, you go, buddy. Uh, we talked a lot about beer. Uh, this is you know, if you're a beer lover and you want to talk about you know you hear about beer now, it's kind of dialed into Days and Confused in the high school days and what the beer industry is like and comparing it to Days and Confused and how it's grown up and how that movie's grown up, but how there's still a cult classic part. And I know I'm talking fast. Sorry about that. But uh, that's this is it, man. This is it. It was a fun one. Uh, I really, you know, when they're a co-founder of a small brewery and you're trying to make it in a microbrew space that's blowing up and there's a new brewery every day, for someone to take two hours out of their day, it's really special. And speaking of special, Dirty Bills, my favorite, the, the headquarters. Today, as I'm recording this, I'm about to head down there and try some boozy ice cream before we go on with some other people. That's going to be a fun one. But, Dirty Bills, www.dirtybillsaustin.com, dirtybillsaustin.com, buy some swag. I'm wearing, a, as I'm doing this read, I'm wearing a slick, beautiful black hat, flat bill. Absolutely, it's my new favorite hat. I've been wearing it quite a bit. Uh, the camo hat has been retired for a couple of months as, as I wear this one. But it's fantastic, man. Yeah, the, the place is great. Leslie opens up the bar for us when we need it. And I, I can't thank her enough for that. She is too kind uh, to let her home be our home for a couple of hours and to let her time be our time. And it's it's very special. And we're very, very blessed. So thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Dirty Bills. Check them out. 511 West Rio Grande. And then when you're in town, you go out and you see Independence. And you have some beers out there. You say hi to Amy. Let her know that uh, you listen to the podcast and uh, she'll probably give you a high five because that's, you know, that's the kind of person that she is. Leslie for sure will give you a high five as will one angry black man. So you got all those things going for you. So with all of that chitter, chatter, splitter, splatter, uh, enjoy the podcast. This was a, this was a fun one. And uh, you know, as I said, very beer focused, self-indulgent to me as I love beer so much. So thanks everyone. Have a great one. Friday special. Enjoy. Some Pilsner. Here we go. Oh yeah. Bada boom, bada bing. We are ready and now please. My name is Amy Cartwright. I am uh, one of the founders and uh, president of Independence Brewing. Uh, we started here in Austin, Texas in 2004. That's good. And uh, we have, uh, I brought some special beers today. I brought our native Texan Pilsner. Um, it's probably one of the record heat days today, so I thought it would be appropriate. Yeah, seriously. And, uh, and I also brought Stash IPA, which mm. is one of the beers we're most well known for. Classic West Coast Delicious. style IPA. Then we also have what you got. Um, 
You have Power and Light as well. Yeah, Power and Light. We have Austin Amber, which uh, we've been making since around, uh, I want to say 2006. Okay. Um, so it's one of our older beers. Um, definitely known uh, just around town as a really great and easy drinking amber style ale. Uh, we've got uh, Red Bud, which is a Berliner Weiss yep. style. And then its rival, Cucumber Red Bud, because <laughs> we just have to be weird. And uh, the Cucumber Red Bud actually, I think, makes the best micheladas uh, around. Um, so we definitely enjoyed those this summer with this michelada party we did. Um, we have, so we don't forget the malt lovers. We have Convict Hill Oatmeal Stout, which we've been making for about 10 years now. And uh, we make that year round. So most people don't think about drinking stouts in the summertime, but actually in movie theaters, I think I bet it's it works just well. perfect. Yeah. Because the temperature is like 65 in movie theaters. Yeah. You need to actually, you're ready for one. You're ready for one. It's, it's, it's like it preps you up. Uh, we just started making one more new beer. It's called The High Boy. It's a double ooh. IPA. And uh, that's been out on shelves since about April. And we're getting ready uh, to release a new version of High Boy that has tangerine. So I got to taste that yesterday. Ooh, interesting. Now, you know, there's some people and they have one or two lines, maybe three. You guys have, have quite a variety. Uh, is that because of all the different, I mean, it, it's weird. So I found this stat out. I was talking to this guy, uh, pastor, and we're, we're joking around. We're having a good time. And I'm chatting it up and I go, so you're starting a new church. What's that like? And he goes, it's really stressful. And I go, wow. He goes, well, you know, of, of all the churches that start in the South, after five years, only 10% are successful. And I was like, this is the Bible Belt area. Right? Like, I can't, I can't buy booze on Sundays. How are churches not successful? This is ridiculous. Well, I did a little research and found out, oddly enough, that in all of this, of breweries and distilleries, after five years, 80% or more are successful. Hmm. And so there's a lot of competition, but it's not big competition. It's not like Budweiser coming in. Right. It's just... It's this unique kind of different competition, if you will. And I wonder, as you've seen other breweries get bought, you've seen other things happen, you see other ones pop up. Is that why you do variety or do you variety because you just like variety? You know, we, I think it's just as we've grown over time, like there's certain styles that we just really want to brew. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, beer like Austin Amber, for example, <clears throat> You know, it's just been in our wheelhouse for a very long time. Okay. And uh, so, you know, we're not going to get rid of it just because we want to brew something else. <laughs> there will be a lot of people mad at us if we yeah. do that. Um, so, you know, even at our tap room, we have even more stuff we play around with. But the you know, decision to put something in a can and sell it at the grocery store, it's like, you know, a lot of thought goes into what we do there, uh, what offerings we do. But... You know, I think people want to see your mainstays. There's ones that are just like favorites that aren't going to go anywhere. And then we like to have a seasonal line just to have some variety and change things up. So like that. it's just uh, having different, We, you know, we're brewers. We want to play around. You know, we like to experiment. So it is the ultimate experiment, right? Yeah. And it seems like Austin has that culture like Denver does. And as we talked about earlier, we'll, we'll talk more about it later, but as Portland does, this grand experiment of, hey, let's have some fun. Oh, I don't care. I want to try something new. Yeah. You know, it's... Well, Austin has a great startup culture all the way around. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're, we're versus, you know, tech versus small film. Uh, any, like, so many different artists of food producers. I mean, I've met, uh, you know, 
people making cheese, kombucha, yogurt, you know, sausage. You know. I'm waiting for someone. Salsa. I'm waiting for someone to get crazy and just contact Big Red and be like, "Do you guys want to be the flavor for our next uh, sweet beer?" I'm just, you know, I'm just do the. And I, I have a question for you, but real quick. So we're doing yeah. Dazing Infused. We're 45 seconds in. 46, 47, 48. There's a reason we're doing this. One, um, I haven't watched it there, but real quick before we get down to the beer road, because. Some people are going to love it. Some are going to lose their minds and pull their hair out, and I don't care. This is not about them. As I said, self-indulgent, start at the beginning. Uh, Top-notch, great burgers. Yep. They do a Dazed and Confused. Yep. Every uh, April 20th, they do a Dazed and Confused screening. We've been... That's uh, weird. That's 420. That's yeah, so weird. 420 party. Uh, <laughs> last, I've gone every year for the last four years, at least, um, and it's a lot of fun. They actually have really great hot road shows they do out there, too, but... They usually have a band before the movie starts and you know, get some burgers, get some beer, bring your lawn chair, set up in the parking lot and just experience the movie. Experience a great movie, yeah. which it is. Uh, also, when you walk in the door, there's a little shadow box. They have one of the actual paddles from the movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. The, it's like the soul pole or whatever. No way. Yes. Yep. So, so back real quick to, so, I mean, not back to, but we're, we're here in Austin. We talked a little bit about this. You have, uh, you and your team and what you and your husband have built, right? It's been pretty epic. Uh, but as everyone sees you now and they're like, oh, I see you everywhere. That's amazing. Like you just happened overnight, yeah. <laughs> but this is the startup world. Right. And every startup person kind of has their story. If you don't mind sharing a little bit about that with people so they can kind of understand passion and yeah. pain. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, my husband Rob and I both had worked at brew pubs while we were attending school here in Austin. And so, you know, he was a brewer. I just worked in a brew pub um, and both had a passion for beer, uh, learned a lot about beer. Um, it was around 2002. Um, that we started getting serious about trying to explore the idea of starting a brewery. Um, Rob had always kind of thought maybe want to start it somewhere else, and I was like, no, Austin's the best place to start it. So minus all the weird Texas laws. Yeah, yeah, exactly, especially back then. <laughs> but um, when we started, we started with a ridiculously small amount of funding, mm -hmm. but we built most of the brewery ourselves. Um, we found a 1980s 15 barrel pub system sitting out in the desert that we got probably 25 cents on the dollar for wow. and um, you know hauled it from Arizona to Austin and set up shop you know and just made it work and uh, the original team was himself and myself and uh, you know brewed the beer I hauled it around in my Honda actually <laughs> my Honda Accord at first um, we didn't actually the first six months that we were in business we didn't have a packaging line yet mm -hmm. and so in order to get the bars to try it I used to put these pony kegs the small kegs in the back of my back seat with buckets of ice and I'd have a pump top and I'd go to a bar manager and be like, hey, can I get you to try my beer? You know? And they'd <laughs> be like, the come down to my car and <laughs> try my beer. And uh, people got a kick out of it. Um, it was a lot smaller, you know, back then. And, you know, there was definitely just, um, we put a futon in the brewery and we pretty much lived there for, you know, quite a while and, you know, slowly built the crew, put a bottling line in. And, um, you know, some of our very first customers uh, were Whole Foods, Opry, wow. Austin's, you know, very success Austin, story, yeah. um, the Central Markets, uh, HEB, who's always been a really great partner. And, 
you know, the on the retail side of things, there was always like a great audience, uh, a great retail partners willing to take a chance. Yeah. So I mean, it was really, um, you know, we were self distributing. And so convincing these big giant grocery stores to let me just bring the beer in, uh, I think that in was- In my Honda, trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. I have insurance. <laughs> yeah. Please, um, I'll make two trips. You know, the funny part is about packaging, you know, it, it, so running the, the kegs, like anybody, you know, like people imagine, sell yeah. those to bars. Uh, but at the grocery store side, that requires a lot of, people may not realize you have to put all the beer on the shelf. So. Hey, you deliver the beer, but like on the weekends, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're stocking that beer, otherwise the shelf's empty. You know what? Post off, you might not do an end cap, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't so, know if you guys are, I don't know where size goes to where HEB's like, hey, you're selling a lot, can you do an end cap? Yeah. I'm like, if I do an end cap here, I mean, has there ever been a point where HEB asks for something, you're like, okay, but then maybe a, a C store, because you're growing, doesn't get their delivery that day. Have you ever been in that position? So when we were self-distributing and we were tight on capacity, mm -hmm. there were times where we had to be very careful in our planning and we would allocate, you know, just to make, try to make sure that everybody got what they needed. Yeah. Um, and then as you grow and in and, and, and working with wholesalers, um, oftentimes, you know, their systems are so large that they may not have it, the ability to have that kind of same allocation approach. So when we okay. first moved over to working with distributors, there were times where it was very difficult to keep up. Uh, you know, we were really fortunate in that uh, 2014, we were able to move off of our little 1980s system and uh, put in a bigger um, brew house and more, more fermentation, more capacity all the way around. So um, now like supply is not an issue for us, but yeah, in certain times, like you would, you just have to be very thoughtful about knowing your customer base and how much they're going to need. And yeah, you don't want to sell everything to one person. So then the little guy doesn't get it, you know? Mm -hmm. So do you, um, I mean, I, so I, I saw this there as China, the number one beer drinker in the world, us number two, Germany's like four, which is weird. God bless Germany and, <laughs> and Oktoberfest and everything that we celebrate. Uh, I wonder it might be jumping the shark, but have you ever thought about Texas, and then forgetting the other 49 little states that try to be also America and just be like, hey, China, want, want me to ship some over to you guys? Oddly enough, we've been approached many times. Um, for I like feeling smart when you're like that. Oddly enough, Jason, I'm like, yeah. See, I'm going gonna to mark this. Well, so one of the things that's really awesome is that we are, have been members since we started of the Go Texan program, which is run okay. by the Department of Agriculture here in Texas. And um, they actually have a pretty robust, um, you know, export development program and um, SUSTA, which are some guys I met this last year, it stands for the Southern US Trade Association. Like they bring people through all the time. So we actually met some folks from um, a variety of European countries. And I was like, you know, none of them are really looking for beer, but hey, why don't you visit a Texas brewery and have some fun and, uh, yeah. you know, so there, it, the thing with export is, um, there's just, I mean, hell, just even going from like your home state to another state, there's all sorts of laws you got to research. Hey, maybe their tax system's different. And so, um, you know, there's a lot to research before you make that move because you don't want to price yourself out or make, mm -hmm. make your beer too expensive and then it just sits there. So um, there's many decisions. There's a lot of things you have to figure out before I think it makes sense to do that. And frankly, like there's so many beer drinkers in Texas, it's kind of like... We still gotta okay. do. We gotta still move. To, you know, we're still working on Dallas and Houston at this point. You know, and shipping beer out to El Paso, which is a good ten hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
do you um in this in this growth and and, and everything that you're doing uh and maybe more, what's been the what's been your moment maybe where you i was bert kreischer's wife says this she's earn your mondays right so he works hard in the week she's like earn your monday kick your feet up relax grab a cold one or sleep in or do it but earn your mondays what's what's your earn your monday that what's a couple of moments where you've earned your monday where maybe a line took off or where you got canning and you're like, oh, we finally got canning. Whereas now I feel like they cheat, right? They got those new, but Forbes did a profile on these companies that do mobile canning for all these small, small the, breweries. The mobile is, canning is actually how most people get started, yeah. at least here in town. Like, so when we were, so we were originally just all in bottles, right? Okay. Um, and we had a machine uh, filler for doing that. We wanted to try out cans. And so actually there's a local company here called American Canning. Okay. And they were just getting started doing mobile canning. So we're like, all right, we'll give it a try. And then that allowed us to test out cans without having necessarily to buy our own line right away. Mm -hmm. And that actually did help us get our foot in the door and then led to us buying our own canning line. So the mobile canners are actually really, these guys are really great because yeah. what, guess what? When you buy a, you know, a, a certain kinds of equipment, you may not know how to service it. You may not know like how to keep it running. Like that's half the battle. We got to keep this running and filling properly. And is it purging the oxygen and you know all the things that you needed to do? So um, you know the guys from American Canning were you know just starting up, and you know we were just getting into canning. So it was a it was a great relationship. And you know as there's been like such an explosion of breweries, like they have been you know some of the go-to people. I think they have like three canning lines now. And, like wow. a whole crew, and they go down to all sorts of cities. It's not just Austin, though. So um, I don't think a lot of, you wouldn't see as much beer on the shelf as you do without those mobile candy guys. It, I mean, uh, you know, when Forbes did that piece, there is a, this is the next, I mean, this is the entrepreneurial whirlwind that really helps because bottling is so expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, and bottling limits you, right? Like, you don't take bottles in the lake, you don't take bottles to the golf course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bottles aren't by the pool. Well, and also what finally convinced me, aside from all the things you just mentioned, uh, was certain music venues started not having bottles. And I yeah. was like, man, I, you know, Austin's a music town. Like, I've got to be able to have my beer when I go and see a show. You know. Exactly. What's uh, what's some of your as Austin being a music town? What's uh, what's some of the what's some of your favorites? What's some of the things that you've seen or done that? You I look love back seeing on the shows. Uh, currently, maybe it's because I'm a little older. Uh, I've been going to Sea Boys uh, down on Congress. Okay. I love Continental Club and Sea Boys. Um, you know, for certain types of big acts like Stubbs is usually, you know, got it going on. And then, um, but like Barracuda and uh, Mohawk, those are my other places I tend to see stuff here in town. Hey Trey, trigger warning for you, buddy. I got a I got a listener who uh, he's like, do you gonna repeat a story again? I'm gonna repeat a story again. But listen, it is enough, so be quiet. Uh, right there, Dave Grohl. Foo Fighters. Yeah. They uh, they come in here when they're in town and they drink. And then years ago when I first moved here, uh, the Bravery and John Popper and I all came in here. We sat at this booth uh -huh. and we sang Eddie Rabbit hits. <laughs> <laughs> I drank beer. They drank whiskey. I don't drink brown booze. Yeah. Had some tequila shots with them. But uh, that was the. But that's what I love about this town, right? Is that yeah. this little tiny fun bar, this forty-person bar who waits till everyone's gone and then says, oh yeah, we have these people here. Yeah. They are the ones who are like, oh yeah, 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 yeah the, the bravery when they were big and John Barley, they sat right here and they yeah. sang songs. 
And I sat right over here on the bar and I just put a smile on my face and just watched. It's like the secret shows that broke and spoke. You yeah, know, that just exactly. Happened, right? It just happened that, that make this town something special, even though they happen a lot, it's still, it's, it's, it's kind of a special, unique thing only because the randomness of, of that it is. Whereas you're in LA, even though I lived in LA for almost 20 years and never bumped into a celebrity. The only time I did is when I flew back and her husband was my golf caddy. But still, you never bump into celebrities in LA because there's just, there's a bazillion people there. Right. And everyone's like, oh yeah, there's a secret show playing every night. I'm like, if anyone's misused the opportunity for secret shows, it's probably LA, New York, Chicago. And then all the secret shows that happen here in Austin, right, or Matthew McConaughey, I was behind him at Whole Foods. I yeah. see like, eh. he's like, hi. And then the checker out person, the guy bagging his stuff, he just talks his ear off about something. And we get done, and I didn't talk his ear off because I'm sure he's busy. He's got a wife and kids, and God knows, he's very kind to everyone yes. that talks to him. But, you know, he doesn't need to talk to me. Yeah. I have nothing that's going to change his life in any way. I'm not going to give some great <laughs> wisdom. I'm going to say hello and have a good day, and my daughter's going to wave to him, and we're done. And this guy talks his ear off. And we say Matthew because he's in the thing and he's always at the downtown Whole Foods or somewhere. You know, everybody's yeah. bumping into him. But we get done and then I look at the checker and he goes, what? Oh, you don't want to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone around starts That's laughing. Special, yeah. And, you know, evidently you don't know who I am, sir. I am, I am not famous. However, I'd like a little conversation. Slow the rest of these people down for their day, please. Don't just speed through me because you you took some time on Mr. McConaughey. By all means. Yeah. My daughter would like a sticker. One of those little whole yeah. stickers, please. <laughs> just a little something for, for the trouble. I think the funny part about Austin is oftentimes when you see people out of their normal, like performers in particular, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they look different in their regular day to day. You know, yeah. they're not all up in their stage clothes and they don't have, you know, so it's like you could be. You know, next to somebody any any day of the week like that. You just may not recognize them in that way. You know what I mean? And especially musicians, because like there's so many musicians in this town. So uh, musicians and actors, actresses. Uh, Mr. Judge, who's famous for all of his writings and cartoons and everything else. I've been in a bar where I know he's there. People been sitting next to him don't know who he is. Yeah. I mean, Ron White lives here. Uh, when he's not all done up, he's Ron White. Right. He lives down on Rainy. I bumped into him a couple of times. He's trying to, you know, push his new tequila through here. It's it's a crazy small yet not small town. Yeah. In what happens around you. And then just the celebrity of the chefs. I mean, Chef Drew from, you know, who's been on Iron Chef and yeah. who has all these crazy connections and all these wonderful chefs come in when he's opening up and launching and he's like, Jason, let me introduce you to this person. I'm like, who's that? He's, I don't want to say who it is. I'm going to tell you who it is right now. Just shake their hand. Yeah. Don't ask them a lot of questions. They're better than me. I'm like, Chef Drew, I've, I've, I've added your food. It's epic. He goes, no, 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 no. Uh, and it's, it's amazing. It really is because we do have this great foundation for, uh, for what is an awesome town. The best part about it is everybody still, at least it seems like everybody's still trying to maintain it just being laid back. Yeah, they right? really are. And it's like when, uh, you know, for the, for many, many years I did uh, the tours at the brewery mm -hmm. um, and we have, you know, a couple of folks that help do those now. But um, the last time I did one, uh, you know, I was like, how many of you just moved to Austin in the last two years, last year, last, 
yesterday. <laughs> Raise your <laughs> hands, you know. And uh, it's my, that's a little part I added to the end of or somewhere in the tour nowadays. Is I was like, okay, you like Austin? Good. Good. I was like, you know what? I was like, it's your job to keep it cool, all right? You got to keep it laid back. Like, can't let this place change too much, you know? Because it's, I mean, it's growing, and it's okay to have growth. There's a lot of challenges that come with it, but, uh, you know, I think if you like a place, you got to try and work to keep it what makes it cool about it. Absolutely. And there is, you know, a hard, hard left turn here, but going back to the beer industry, uh, and, and Days to Confuse takes place at a high school, of course, and they're... Better check. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two, two things. One, have you ever dated a man who wore the full overalls? And, uh, and, and, and two, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. like heart pause. No, but you get right to the next question because a that's jump, a no. A jumpsuit? Yes. yes. Parachute <laughs> pants? Of course. Uh, how is it being a, a small independent brewer when you go to these big brewery conventions? Is it like high school? Or. <laughs> <laughs> so the very first craft brewers conference I went to was in 2003 and there was a hell of a lot less people than when I went to the one in Portland several years ago um, I would say that I think that there is like a small group of clicky people that tend to be like I'm too effing cool like don't talk to me like the stone brewing guys that went first time I ever met them and I'm like oh yeah arrogant bastard I get it now like yeah, yeah it's, you it's, guys it's, at least came out I'm not an asshole, but I'm an arrogant bastard. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to completely blow you off, but if you're not here, we don't talk. But the thing that's really awesome about beer is most people are really fucking cool. You know, yeah. it's like everybody's uh, having fun. It's a passion. Um, you know, there is a lot of uh, camaraderie and a lot of like helping each other out still. I mean, even though it is getting more and more competitive, I think that the beauty of things like Craft Brewers Conference or, or like we just got back from the Master Brewers Association, which um, is a way more technical kind of conference, mm -hmm. um, that you're able to, you know, really learn from other people that have developed expertise over the years, you know, and then you have supplier folks involved. So heavy focus on chemistry, microbiology, like how do I adjust my water, you know, all this really nerdy stuff. And then at the end of the day, you go have massive amounts of beer, you know, which is great. And hang out. <laughs> yeah. Is there a, uh, is there a, uh, what would be a sommelier for wine for beer? So there's a program that was developed, um, several years ago called the Cicerone, um, which is a series of tests Sounds that you fancy. can do. I know. Do you have to get a tattoo? I'd like it if the Cicerone was like, <laughs> do you have the tattoo? I'm like, yeah. I, I do. It's put you on, the, the, on your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Laura? Like, like what? Yeah, <laughs> I'm certified. Certified. I got the tattoo. Uh, yeah. Now the um, there's different layers of the Cicerone program. So like bartenders can get Cicerone certified. Like a lot of the distributors and people in beer sales like kind of get your entry level Cicerone certified beer okay. server, and then it goes up from there. And in and it's you know there's a lot to learn i mean it's everything from different beer styles and traditions ingredients like how to serve beer properly so it kind of runs the gamut um i actually have never done the cicerone program but I, I have a question for you on serving <laughs> beer properly yeah so in whitefish montana there was a place called um what was it, it was uh the place the place was called the place great pizza uh, great fried chicken that's what they're known for the two things good <laughs> it was good good spot I, I didn't gain an ounce there, uh, but they, Miriam would always tell us when you pour a beer, don't angle the glass. You hit it straight up and down. You pour that beer. 
and you let it flow over until it comes up. Do not, I want the flavor to circulate through until the head burns out versus you putting on its edge and controlling the head. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on that? Because that's stuck with me for years and I've seen different people pour in different ways. I don't have strong opinions about either. I think, okay. you, you know, I think both can, so I'm just going to say that. Yeah, please, no, no. But the thing that drives me crazy is when you see people dunking the faucet in the, in the glass because mm -hmm. they're trying to keep from, so in a bar environment, you're like trying not to have any waste. Yeah. Right. And so like when they got the cup up in the faucet, it's, it's just so gross. It's like, there's just stuff that should never happen. So that's no, kind of that like uh, the basics. If we're going to train people, it's like, don't put the glass of beer into the faucet. Like, Please. Yeah. Don't. Um, I've, I've, I've heard this myth and I've, I've, I've propagated it. In fact, I just said it an hour ago at Holy Roller. Uh -huh. So if I'm lying, by all means, you're like, Jason, stop this lie right now. I've been told that the perfect amount of water and detergent lets you see the rings of every time you've taken a drink from the head. The lacing. Yeah. The lacing. And it's like a tree, right? Boom, boom, boom. And then you can look at that and be like, this person drinks this much in the first. Like a good bartender can watch the lacing and go, they're almost ready for another drink. And no versus waiting for an empty glass or not knowing yeah. how much they drink per sip. There's a, there's a whole thing. So I saw it over there and I was just like, hey man, whoever did this, kudos to your glass washer. The yeah. guy looked at me like I was crazy. I go, bro, this is perfect. Yeah, the reverse scenario of that is when you see a glass that has like a million bubbles stuck to it. Like inside, then oh. that's that's very much detergent residue. Or the or the one that's just perfectly clean that nothing hangs on it, which is all a, a, either a Bud Light or a poorly washed glasses. I'm assuming it's not washed or it's a Bud Light. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't comment on that. You're like, I wanna, mm. <laughs> so when I worked for Black Star Beer, and this was twenty almost twenty five years ago, I'm getting older. Uh, remember mine at Western, we did this, uh, we, we were having some fun, we we're messing around, and um, as we're hanging out, he goes up and he does his, his speech about his, his great-grandfather, Henry Weinhardt, Weinhardt's Brewery, he's like, we are going to go, we're going we're gonna to tackle the world. And you see Budweiser, you see a Miller bottle, you see a Coors bottle, you see a Pabst bottle, and you hear this, and it's this beer grinding across the table. Clink, they all fall down, and then there's Black Star beer at the front. And everyone, and this was at the National Beer Convention thing in Vegas, and every one of the Budweiser people stood up with Adolphus Bush 12 or whatever, and walked out. <laughs> and it was mine that's happy as well, because mine went to give a speech, and instead of giving a speech, because he likes to like to talk to people, he just played this video. And then followed it up with another video about how Whitefish had a professional sports team that was sponsored by Black Star, and there was a blimp, and they did the Super Bowl there in, in 2025 or whatever. And it was hilarious because, I mean, this was back when Sierra Nevada was first coming out. So Sierra yeah. Nevada and Red Hook, as you probably remember, yeah. actually the IBUs were off the charts, a little too hot. I love them, but compared to Sierra some Nevada, other, Pale was like the go-to. It was the go-to. Yeah. Red Hook was a little bit aggressive. Uh, Thomas Kemper had a beer at the time instead of just root beer. And it was like this double hot premium lager that's supposed to sit in the middle of you don't want a Bud Miller Coors, but you don't want a Red Hook or a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. You want something in the middle. But you also don't want that Widmer Hefeweizen, which everyone used to say, that's like having a loaf of bread or a, or a Guinness, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the propaganda. And it was this crazy thing because people got so offended that this middle tier beer 
was going to take on the world. And now it seems like the big offense is, and once again, correct me if I'm wrong on this very long rant, is that if you're a microbrew and you get bought, you're the bad guy. I think the thing is, is that... Which I think you've achieved your goal if at least someone wants to buy you. I'm not saying you have to yeah. sell. I'm just saying if someone wants to buy you, haven't you in some capacity kind of achieved your goal of, of, of mind share and market share that someone's like, you're that good? I want, I want you? What it, so here's the thing. And so I'm going to steal in, the beer while you talk about okay. this from your cooler. In the United States, due to prohibition laws and the three-tier system, this is the only place in the world where craft beer really started. And, and, and the reason why there's um, these strong feelings about these kind of buyouts is because uh, people still want access to the market, right? We don't want um, to migrate to a system where, um, you know, a small brewer is not able to get their beer on the shelf or, or served at a bar uh, because, you know, the big guys have, have crowded everyone out, right? So <laughs> a great example would be, you know, I took a, Such a child. <laughs> trip down to uh, Mexico, you know, and down there, most bars are either, a, you know, a Corona bar or Dos Equis bar, right? Um, and uh, I'm probably getting that wrong, but I can't remember. <laughs> but you go into a place and they, only, they have a set menu, right? And it's and like one tied. Pacifico bar. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's there. You do not see the variety of offerings. And it's what it is, is that, you know, a big... Uh, you know, brewer will go in and set that bar up. And it's like, it's a deal. Like, we're giving you all this money to buy your equipment, buy your draft system even, and but you will serve only our beer, right? And so, you know, in the old days here in the States, they call it a tight house, yep. right? It's like you've got uh, the brewer directly controlling and limiting access to what people can get. And so the concern that small brewers have with these acquisitions is that slowly, since the you know larger breweries can't, it's almost like you can't beat us. They're buying us, right? And um, so you know, sometimes you'll go out to an event, and let's say that uh, you know you will kind of have this illusion um, that there's a lot of different offerings, but it's actually still all owned by the same corporate entity. Right? Well, I want to I go back to something you said. They, they, they can't beat us, so they buy us. Is it that the mothership is too big? Is it that they don't understand? I, yeah, I don't understand this, right? So, Bud Miller Coors, which I think are all now in the same house, right? They're all owned by SAB, I think. Yeah, it's, it's hard to keep up with. It's all hard to keep up with all the equities. ABI and all that. Yeah. So, but let's just let's keep them separate for the sake of, of argument. Bud Miller Coors out there, they have all, they have all this money. They have all this talent around them, allegedly. And there's not, they can't just give someone five million bucks and say, go start a brewery and, and, and brew what you want to brew. And then we'll, we'll be your VC arm versus your acquisition arm. Like, I mean, so the emperor of Goose Island, when it got bought and how it changed, <clears throat> freaked everyone out in Chicago, right? So Coors has managed to pull that off. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they basically had, uh, and I don't know the legal structures or anything, but. You know, the group that basically created Blue Moon, yeah. um, you know, it's similar to what you're kind of like, hey, why can't they do this? And it's like, well, they did, you know, but for, and for many years, people didn't really know that Blue Moon was created by Coors. I didn't know. know that. And then if you go to Coors Field, there's a little brew pub there called the Sandlot Brewery. Okay. And it's making some of the best lagers that I've ever had up until the ABGB starting here in town. Um, so, 
you know, there. I think the thing is with some of the bigger groups, though, it's like I look back on when, um, you know, AB tried to do like American Ale, right? They had their crack at it. You know, they took their shot, but I'm sure like some kind of focus group told them, don't make it too hoppy, right? Small brewers don't care. Like we're gonna make it as assertive as we want. And you think so, that's what it is that you don't that you're doing it for you? Well, we and Anheuser Busch has this thing where they're like, but by the way, Anheuser Busch and. Mm -hmm. They're just remember, easiest to pick on. I don't know why. They just start. Well, I'll tell you why they're easiest to pick on, because they've had one successful brand yeah. that's that's lasted. They have one brand that's lasted, and that's Bud Light. You got Budweiser and Bud Light. Yeah. Now they have a ton of other things that have come out, but um, Bud Dry, tell me why. Bud Ice, uh, um, the, the 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 Michelada beer. And it's not that they go away, but they don't have the Bud Light success. Uh -huh. Right? Those little margarita cans that are like eight ounces. Um, I mean, Miller is, is like, Avis, we try harder. Like, never... <laughs> I'll drink a Miller Lite because I just believe they try harder. It's a, it's a, it's a high life. <laughs> and I love a high life. I love, I love a good high life. But I, I, I never pick on Miller because I just feel like, you're kind of, you're the third kid of the party. Yeah. And I know you're not, but you're the third kid of the party and you try, and Miller was acquiring actually small breweries long before Budweiser was. I mean, they acquired Blackstar, they yeah. acquired St. Ives, they acquired, they acquired Sewer Reserve, it's, they did Old it's English. It's because the Bud distribution network is so strong and dominant. And they they have a very strong lobbying arm, and they spend a lot of time and money trying to influence laws in, in many states. You just forgot about this state. Well, no, I would, I would say they have <laughs> a, a, a very uh, strong influence in the state of Texas. Yeah? Yes, <laughs> that's that's the story of why smaller brewers are concerned uh, because you have these players that are, um, you know, influencing state law and our in, in in people's ability to, uh, the, you know, how are we going to get beer to market? You know, what's allowed, what's not allowed. So, and in you know, Texas, some of Texas's laws are still. Um, you know, not as up to speed with with the, like a great example. So beer to go mm -hmm. um, from a brewery like us, uh, not allowable. It's not not on the books. We're the last of the fifty states. So only in Texas can you know a brewery with our type of license not get sell beer to go. Um, but like a brew pub license holder. Can. So how does I mean and you know but hops and grain they sell beer. So they have a brew pub license. Oh, they do. Yeah. Oh. So you can have a brew pub license and produce up to 10,000 barrels at that facility. And so You're just past that. Yeah, we're too we're just too big. So, um, like ourselves, uh, Austin Beer Works, uh, Real Ale, St. Arnold, um, you know, uh, 512 today. I'm not I can't remember their total barrels right now. Yeah. So, but I mean there's many breweries there's, yeah, that there's... uh there, it's but it, considering that there's like hundreds of breweries in the state of Texas, already most of them are brew pub license holders and can sell beer to go. It's just kind of like kind of the older guard, like people that started in you know down the model that we have, mm -hmm. or that just got too big, um, that aren't allowed to do that. Uh, but it's like there's, it's an interesting case. You know, it's interesting knowing what you know on the distributor side of the equation they have. You know strong reasons why you know they don't want to see it that way but you know and then on the brewer side we have reasons why we want to do it so that we can re remain competitive you know so it's it's not 
you know, the more, like, so for the public, they don't get it, right? Yeah. They come to the brewery, we just get they've confused. got their growler, and they're like, well, what do you mean I can't get it? Right? Or, I just put it over there, and you just fill you know, it up, and then I left it. Right. <laughs> and, uh, or, like, we're kind of on the way out to the airport, you know, you got visitors in from out of town, like, trying to, like, direct them to, like, the closest store that has our beer, you know, it's kind of like, versus they might have been to every other state in the country and be like, why can't you just sell me a six-pack to go, man, you know? Yeah. So, like, welcome to Texas. We sell too much beer, but we'd still like your money. Yeah. So we, we um, I want to, I want to ask you, ask you two things, and I find this interesting. Uh, we talked about Netflix and you loving Netflix, and <laughs> I, I wonder. So Netflix funds all of these comics, independent films, right? They just pay for them. Like we're going to give you a platform. And and I wonder two things, and I'd love your ten cents on this. And this wraps me up in the movie because this was an independent film, yep. Amazing Confused, did, did very well. And it seems like more and more independent films do extremely well, and the big blockbuster films, they do okay, but dollar to dollar, uh, marketing dollar to marketing dollar, there's no, there's literally no comparison. And I wonder, a, when does it come along to where a venture capital firm, someone with a billion dollars, because you know what, I love beer. There's a, it seems like when you get to a certain level, there's always the person, even though they love beer, they're like, I'm going to have an 82 Chateau Lafitte. And you're like, dude, order, order a fucking beer. I've yeah. known you for 20 years. Order a goddamn beer. And they're like, oh, no, Jason, Jason, we're going to have a $700 bottle of wine because that's just what we do because we're, we're in Spago. I'm like, stop. I'll get it. I'll, what beer do you have? Yeah. I'm going to get, I'm gonna get um, Lord Hobo Brewing in L.A. because I just like their name and actually make a decent beer. So I wonder, hey, when does that venture capitalist come along? Instead of you, instead of you starting at this, you know, this scrappy level, or maybe brewers should just start at the scrappy level, and that's just what makes good beer. But, but, but two, when does that distributor that uh, there's top notch? Yeah. When does that distributor that avenue come in to where it is a uh, a thing that that changes the dynamics? It may not happen here in Texas, but when does that dynamic change? To and I think it's starting to as far as people's passion for for local beers. Yeah. But I wonder the shift economically comes to where it goes from passion and people following a, a, an independence or a Lord Hobo or a Big Sky Brewing and instead they go and they're like, but now I've got this Netflix outlet that's in every state that only focuses on these beers and wants to keep them independent. If they run into trouble and let's say it's just mismanagement or, or just someone not doing the accounting right, don't worry, we've got the money there to help them and fix it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say so few thoughts on that I guess um, you know I think one of the things that's different about breweries especially in the last five years is that they are becoming more of a destination in their own right and so you do see in Texas there has been um, quite a building boom let's just say of, oh, yeah. of like destination style breweries that we've got know, two areas it, right it may not even make sense like you go out to Fredericksburg and here's some over-the-top you know Ooh, Jim. You're fine. This is why we're in a bar. Like if you spill a little beer, it's fine. I mean, we really, I also, in, in Austin, right, we have yeah. two areas, right? We've got north and north south. North and south. Nothing and in the east, middle. East side. And, and east side. Little, east side. Because there are a couple on the east side. Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple of people that tried to do one downtown, yeah. and just the, the money and logistics of well, just doesn't so work. So you got the destination-style facilities that mm -hmm. tend to have a lot of money put into them. And okay. they're... You know, obviously they're going to make beer. Where they're going to make a lot of their money, though, is is like wedding parties and people going all the way out there for special occasions and stuff like that. Um, what you have to remember about beer is it's heavy, 
and it needs to be transported cold. And so it's like the Netflix analogy doesn't work because it's like, it's like you can't just like just me. Ship I'm it. heavy and I like to be delivered cold. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so it's been really interesting how you know with Whole Foods, with Amazon getting involved with Whole Foods, you know you have an uh, beer being delivered to the house now. Um, but you know you sit there and think about look at the math. Maybe just trying to get it just service all people. They're like we don't know how we're going to make money at this yet. We're just going to basically cold transport, making sure it gets, uh, you know, stock cold. Um, it's usually in someone's 21-year-old car from, I mean, no offense to UT, but they they got a part-time job at UT, they're working at Drizzly or Favor. Like, I deliver beer for H-E-B, or I deliver beer yeah. for Drizzly. It's in the back of my car, I've got seven deliveries. It's a it's a 110 yeah. out today. Yeah. How does that stay cold? Right, so the equivalent of, uh, you know, many years ago, I guess somebody knew we, my husband and I were in a beer. So they signed us <laughs> up for like the beer of the month club, right? So we're getting this package at our oh, door, and it's like it was that. the worst because it was like beer from all over the country, hadn't been stored cold. And arrives like it's the summer, and you're like, wow, this beer has actually been cooked. Yeah, you know, uh, it's different. Yeah, I remember having a, a dogfish head beer one time that had been one of those, and I was like, I know it's not supposed to be like this, so. You know, sometimes I've had this in Alamo yeah. Draft House. It yeah. tastes better. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. When you, yeah, first of all, it is a labor of love to make quality beer, right? And you yeah. put all this work into it. You, you want people to be able to have it the way it was intended. And so, you know, yeah, and some of these delivery services are not, they're not guaranteeing cold transport. So that's something to figure out. But, you know, sometimes this, what I think is fascinating is the second-hand market, if you will, for beer. Okay. So you got all these people that are really into beer, so they're trading, right? Hey, I, I can't get this beer in Texas, but I've got this and this, and they'll be on the, you know, on these groups and forums, and they'll be like, I really want to get this beer from another state. So they'll partner up and, like, basically illegally ship beer to each other, <laughs> and it's an act of faith, you know? And um, I mean, it's, it works with whiskey. It works with vodka. Yeah. But again, with beer, it's kind of you're taking a gamble. Yeah. Like, did the guy or woman sending you beer, like, take the care to make sure it was going to get to you um, okay? Yeah, you know? overnighted, cold, cold packs around it, yeah. at a temperature. Usually, that you know, you can't guarantee that. So, um, I just think that's why beer is very local, is because it has a proximity to where it was made. And, you know, guaranteeing that transport... Uh, that it's going to be handled properly is 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 also like a lot of work it's a lot of effort follow through on brewers parts and on the distributors if you're working with them so you have to have a distributing partner that takes that seriously and that's their you know part of their role in this equation so so in the age and we'll uh, we'll, we'll steal a line here from and, and roughly steal a line and misappropriate the line as it should be misappropriated McConaughey and Days and Confused goes, man, I stay the same age, they keep, you know, or they stay the same age, I keep getting older. Uh-huh. In the 2004, you guys keep getting older, you keep educating better and better brewers. If you don't mind me asking, who are some of your spinoffs or the people that, that you look and you're like, oh, yeah, and then you try the beer and you're like, you know what, X, Y, and Z, you did a good job. Like, I'm proud you came from me. Yeah, actually, it just... Uh there are several people here in town that have, you know, worked with us at some point along the way. Um, I think the best brewer that is out there that we, you know, have the pleasure of working with is Michael Waters, and he's part of a group called Skull Mechanics now, but, you know, he kind of um, worked a little bit out at Real Ale, and, you know, now he's doing his own, he's involved in a brew pub, I guess, uh, probably it's like the, the right fit, like the right size of doing what he wants to do. Um, 
you know, a couple of our earliest employees, they uh, had gone out to Rio. Okay. Um, and now Brett, he is... Uh, he started a new one. Yeah. Um, he actually, I met it's him. like the other half, or better half is the coffee bar stuff, like Ray yep. Brothers Brew and Brew, and then... And I've I forget got, the name of the brew pub, though. As oh, I dude, I... I've got it because I've got his email because he invited me out and I said, listen, um, I love you. Uh, however, um, you don't want to invite me out just to have beers with you because he is doing, let's see here, to uh, do, to do, to do, Pine House. That's where we met. Pleasure of meeting in Pine House. Have coffee and cocktails next Tuesday and then hold out. Yeah, hold out. It yeah. should be available in April. And I don't know where he's at with it, but yeah. Also, there's a guy, a uh, um, really awesome brewer we worked with who um, originally met through Lovejoy's, which was my all-time favorite dive brew pub. If you can imagine, is <laughs> a dive bar brew pub that used to be sounds fantastic. It was amazing. It was a very special place in my heart, um, and uh, it unfortunately couldn't seem to survive the smoking ban. It's like one of those places where everybody smoked. Um, but his name's Todd Henry. Okay. And uh, he's at an inland surf park, which actually oh, yeah. has the you know a really great well system out there. And um, it was really appropriate, I thought, when he got uh, when he came and told us he was going to be brewing out there because um, you know Doug Coors is involved in that place. And it was funny because Todd always drank Coors like the banquet beer. <laughs> Listen, I love to be a tall boy at Coors Original. Uh, there's something about the smell that brings me back to Montana and fried yeah. chicken and my dad playing Keno. We used to, so for the going away <laughs> gift, they got him a six pack. I was like, here you go. Tall boys or do you do the bottles? What'd you do? I'm trying to remember. I think I did tall boys. Yeah, it's a, that's yeah. a classic. You get that, you know, little, little <laughs> bottle six pack. You're like, you can enjoy this whole thing. The tall boys are like, you share with the friend. Yeah, Todd was... One of those people have been brewing a long time, and uh, I think brewers go through this a lot, where you kind of your palate and your profile's gone to the extremes, and then you kind of develop a re-love, or you come to love it again, like something very clean and simple, because it's very difficult to make, and it's super refreshing. And so the art of making a really great lager becomes like super fascinating again. You're like, yeah. hey, like can I, can I actually do this? You know? What's your day for brew cycle in a lager? 18 like, days? 21 days? Like no. how long do you leave it longer? Yeah. Um, we're, with the native Texan, it's um, six, seven weeks. Six, seven weeks? Yeah. Now, and so uh, I'm a big fan of... Well, of loggers, you need the... It's the yeah, time. It's the time, it's right? The it's time. the patience. Yes. Uh, Tom Segura, I love, stand-up comic, and he always says, he goes, you know, I hate this. I get people that come up to me and they go, yeah, you're, you're pretty funny. He goes, no, no, I'm really funny. Netflix specials, or <laughs> I have a podcast that millions of people listen to, like, more than, than, than this kind of thing. Yeah, I'm the funny guy in the office. And I wonder, in your world, right, uh -huh. you get people who are like, yeah, I, I make beer too. I'm like, mm, I don't know if you do. Like, I don't, I want to give a hard time out and go, no, I make beer. You have a hobby. <laughs> it's, like, it's like me going, I drink beer, I don't make beer. I've been in breweries. I've, I've been. I've worked in four breweries. Mm -hmm. I still. I don't make beer. I don't know how to make beer. I never educated myself on it. I never. I never did anything else. I worked in the tap rooms. I distributed it. I was a West Coast sales manager for it. I ran a tattoo roadshow for it, where a little kid named Satan tattooed another big man named Chainsaw, <laughs> or not another big man named Kenny, uh, Kenny Marvin, who won a Harley, and a man named Chainsaw tried to kill me. 
I've done everything else, but actually do the work that makes a great beer. And so I just wonder, like in your world, when you get people coming in and they're they're a little homebrew, and I'm not saying they do bad work or good work, like oh yeah, I make beer too, and you're like, no, you don't. Like I make beer. You make beer, and you don't just make one beer. You make a variety of styles of beer. You do a lot of great things. I think, I think the thing is, is uh, do you get, with, do you get offended? I guess the question yeah. is, do you get now? No. So with home, the homebrewing community is also very vast, and there's a variety of skill levels. And so, yeah. you know, I actually think it's really awesome sometimes when somebody's like, "I just made my very first beer ever." You're you like, know, like I've done it once, and you're like, "That's awesome, man!" Because guess what? They're gonna now approach you conversationally with a broader uh, knowledge of like these are my ingredients and, and this is the process. It's, it's called kinda, Mad Dog Thirty Thirty. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say I have been you know a judge in homebrew contests. Uh, there's a huge one down in Houston that's put on by the Foam Rangers, which is one of my favorite club names ever. The Foam Rangers. The Foam Rangers put like on um, was giant and super well organized uh, homebrew competition. You know, and, and down in Houston, it's kind of the land of engineers, in particular oil and gas engineering. Yeah. So some of these folks' systems are like the equivalent of a nano brewery. I mean, they're really? very sophisticated. You know, there is more than a hobby. It's, a, it's an equal obsession as, you know, if they didn't like to make so much money, they'd start a brewery. <laughs> wow. But, you know, like oil and gas, they got a good gig going on. So it's more fun to keep it like in their home. You know, but I, so I've had a real range of, you know, I've had some homebrew that was, you know, world class, you know, it's really good. Wow. Um, and, 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 you know, and you have to remember back in, especially the 90s, you know, a lot of brewers just came from homebrew. You know, yeah. there wasn't some vast talent pool to come from. So, I mean, we were lucky because my husband had brewed for nine years, you know, already. Um, but, you know, he got to start homebrewing first and then he became a brewer. What was it like when that first big silver tank was wheeled in? Was that was that was that an aha or an oh shit moment? Um, it was awesome. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We were waiting and like we rolled in with these. Uh, it was like it, the funny part is is they were fifteen barrel tanks, so they weren't that big in a way. Um, but they not, were all, now they're not that big. <laughs> but at the time, you've got to be looking at them going. I was I was pleasantly relieved uh, because this system had been sitting out in the sun in the desert and I was like oh got it the pictures did not do it any justice because it was in a junkyard oh yeah and so I was like when my you know we gone out to Phoenix to see this uh, there was an auction well we didn't have enough money to buy the system that was at auction so it goes and goes to look at the one in the junkyard and he's like it's awesome and I'm like the one from the junkyard <laughs> like I'm so worried you know uh, have you heard the two words junk and yard yeah <laughs> but it rolled in and I was like oh it's great you know and the funny part about it like the gaskets the plastic gaskets and stuff like that it they were all perfect and it was like you know they store airplanes out in the desert for a reason because yeah. it's dry like all that stuff was actually it was perfect so yeah. it's not it like on the coast where yeah. salt water is just eating it away yeah it was pretty awesome. We had a funny thing happen to us where um, we had rented a forklift because we didn't own a forklift. We were trying to get the tanks off the back of this big flatbed truck, and the tanks came off no problem. But we're trying to get the mash tun off, and it, the little forklift we got wasn't going to do it. And the oh. angle of the truck was really weird. So there's a ramp to the brewery, so we're like, oh, we'll just do it up the ramp. It's like, no, that's not happening either so my little brother's friend who's like good old country boy reed 
goes and he's like, I know what to do. And he goes and borrows this other bigger forklift from where he worked. And he pulls his truck up the ramp of the brewery and it has a, a like a winch. Uh-huh. And he winches oh, it to the so forklift. Why am I so nervous? I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> and I'm he getting winches nervous. winches the forklift with the system up the ramp. And that's how he got it into the building. No. And nothing <laughs> broke? <laughs> nothing broke. But I was like, man, if it wasn't for his winch, what would we have done? <laughs> we have done. We have, we have, we have rebuilt the whole brewery there's around a, this. There's a reason why everybody drives trucks in Texas. <laughs> That's true. Narrow, narrow street, narrow streets, and big trucks. Yeah, you could be the hero with your winch. <laughs> Do you? Um, I see the big three microbrewing cities before as Portland, and it was going from geographically, it'll go north to south. Portland, Chicago, Denver. Austin. Mm-hmm. San Diego's pretty big. I, I, I only see stone in San Diego. Maybe I'm just blind from, no, from stone. A, I'd say, I'd, I'd make sure, I think San Diego belongs on that list. Okay. I know LA's trying, and LA's tried for a lot of years. Yeah. They've tried. I mean, not successfully. Yeah. Uh, and not that they haven't made good beer. I just think that there's taxes and, and there's, there's, there's just the... It's I think everyone just, drives. Everyone drives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm a mile away. I'll get there in three days. It's because the traffic's so bad. They're like, oh, I don't feel like going up. No, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Where, but also breweries really aren't destination points. There, they're more like we just we just hump our beer out and then we hope that we have a cool enough name that someone in LA is like, oh, that's amazing. I want to try this. Which is the only reason why I was at a fancy Italian restaurant with my buddy and I just took he and his girlfriend out. I go to LA. They give me their place. He gives me his place. He stays with his girlfriend in the same building and it's me and his ninety pound monster pit bull that puts his head on my chest and I can barely breathe but I also don't want to move him because he's 90 pounds and he's just a mo- he's a gentle giant but I'm still like you're asleep you just I'll just barely breathe what we want is that this guy's I'm like what do you have for a pale ale or an IPA something with a little bit of hops he goes oh we have Lord Hobo Brewing and I was just like I mean I'll, I'll take it just on the name yeah <laughs> I buy the book by the cover all the time I'll buy for the name for sure and it was actually really good their point of sale is really good, and they're one of those unique people. But I feel bad because they're in L.A. Like, I think Lord Hobo Brewing in Portland would murder just because of, it's Portland, yeah. right? I mean, I just think, and I'm like, too bad you guys launched that in L.A. That's the first thing I thought. So for us, uh, because Colorado is a lot closer and easier to get to, like, I have, you know, early on in Texas, it was like you just most often could get Colorado beers mm-hmm. from out of state. It's harder, farther to drive for... Um, well, even in the old, like, so I remember there's people you don't see here anymore, but like Tommy Knocker. I remember Tommy they Knocker. They used to be here. Um, they were here in Texas? Yeah, yeah. Before we started, there was like... Um, Get it, kids. I don't remember the... There was Go this Google that. Wollaber. Remember Wollaber, the organic beer, the first organic beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Underneath my breath. Uh, uh, um, I mean, we could get Sierra, could get Lagunitas, could get Stone. Um, there was like... Um, Man, it was the label that had all the birds. Mendocino Brewing. I yeah. We could get them. What's Racer with the, five, uh, uh, in the... In the cult following that is this movie. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Tiny Pilsner. Is it Tiny Pilsner? What's the little... They got the green label with the red. It says Pilsner. It's, it's Tiny Pilsner. What's the... It's the Red Red, red River. Red Russian River. Russian River. Oh, Russian River? Pliny? Pliny Pilsner. Yeah, yeah Pliny the Elder. Yeah, Pliny the Elder. What's your cult classic beer... There was um, a time, I, so the, the funny part is when people do annual releases, 
you can have it one time and you're like, this is amazing, and then you get it the next year and it may not be exactly what you remember. Uh, I'll do one more. I got one. Uh, uh, for the, I remember Maharaja um, from Maharaja? Avery. Uh, Maharaja? Getting the name right. Yeah, Maharaja was pretty special, I thought. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of one of those people that always try a lot. Like, cause I'm always just trying beers. So I don't necessarily have, like, a cult thing uh, per se, but... Um, yeah, I just kind of try everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm grabbing beers, party people, in case you're wondering, and I'm, I'm failing at putting a koozie on this. I'm slowing us down. <laughs> I'm not the best at this. All right, hold on, and there we go. Uh, so, <clears throat> nice. So my, um, boy, my, I remember, so I, I, there's, a, there's a place in Southern California called Mutt Lynch's. Muttlitches. M-U-T-T-S. Mutt, or M-U-T-T. Muttlitches. Dog mutt. Uh-huh. Right on the water. A great spot. They have uh, 20 tap handles. Their slowest pour, if you don't make this grade, you're kicked out, is 15 kegs a week. What? I'm sorry, 15 kegs a month. Oh, yeah. Sorry, 15 kegs a week. 15 kegs a week. <laughs> Must they, be good. <laughs> so they have, uh, they have the, the, these, these things from Budweiser and from Coors Live. They're like, you've sold more beer here than anyone else. And I remember I came down from Portland. And when, when I was in Portland, uh, a buddy of mine introduced me to this drink. And I made up a story about it that's not true. Sorry to break everyone's heart. I'll tell the story. But it's like, oh, uh, my grandmother, this part's true. My, grand, my grandmother on my dad's side raging alcoholic, had a brain that was swelling and, and uh, her skull was growing at the same time. So it was pushing one of her eyeballs out. She looked terrifying. And, she, and my dad's like, yeah, you know, you, right? yeah her, her lean's not dying because hell doesn't want her. I mean, like she was that mean of a lady. That's her son talking about her, right? My dad, my stepdad talking about her. But I always used to joke and say, yeah, you know, I always made my grandmother iced teas. And that was a path blue ribbon poured over ice with a squeeze of lemon. She lived in a trailer, so trailer park iced tea. Yep. And then uh, when she wanted an OJ, it was PBR and OJ. It was a Pabsmosa, and you couldn't, you could never just see the, the beer in it because the OJ yeah. just killed the head. Yeah. Versus it does for some reason doesn't do that really with champagne. Uh, so I'm telling Mike this made up story about how we used to drink them in Portland, trailer park iced teas and Pabsmosas, which we had on the menu at the bitter end. And I said, Mike, you should get PBR in here. And he's like, No. I have Coors Light and Bud Light in here. I'm not getting PBR. <laughs> Mike, come on. He goes, I'll tell you what. I'm going to order one keg. When we don't sell out of it, I'm going to make you sit at the end of the bar. I'll make you drink it all. He goes, I'll, I'll do the bet if you add these two things to the menu. Trailer Park Iced Tea and the Pap Smoser. He's like, uh, whatever. So the day the keg comes in, I go down there. And I have a, I have a Trailer Park Iced Tea. It's a 40-ounce goblet with a scoop of ice, three <laughs> lemons, and then it's filled with PBR. And it's like sunshine dancing across your tongue. It is so light and effervescent, and it's hot in there because they don't have AC because they're on the ocean, yeah. right? So they're yeah. just getting that ocean breeze coming in. He does 25 kegs a month of PBR selling this dumb. And so my buddy goes down there. I haven't been back in a, in a year now, a year and a half. And my buddy flies down there and goes, you're still on the menu. The trailer park iced tea. This is my cult. I, I tell the story because that's my cult classic, right? right? That's my thing where I was just like, and this was before PBR was big. This is before it kind of made this this little comeback and where it did its thing, where everyone got excited about it. And yeah. 
you know, they were doing now working with artists and doing concerts and everything that Stone kind of does. Yeah. But that was my one little where I was just like, oh, here's my here's my little mark on on Southern California society. I couldn't be more disappointed and blessed at the same time. <laughs> I couldn't have found a, a local good beer where they're just like, I mean, I'm sure there's someone from a local brewery that wants to get into Mutt's. It's like, if yeah. somebody that wasn't this asshole, JJ Specials, like if JJ would have found us, we could have done something. Mm-hmm. And I tell that story to lead into a question, because, uh, but, and I don't know if you guys do this or not, um, but I wonder... There's now, it seems to be a new world of brewers getting together with other brewers from different areas uh, or, or, or restaurants. You know, um, Easy Tiger did a thing with Odell Brewing, right? The Easy Tiger. Do you guys do that or do you want to do that? Or is that something that, where, do you want someone else in your kitchen? Um, I think that the thing about collaborations is it, I mean, it originally, like, like you really should agree, like you should, in a way, like the, the meeting of the minds, like if you as brewers like hit it off and you have something that you really wanna do uh, together, then I think it makes sense. I mean, I think, um, you know, I also think it's been kind of cool sometimes that people do, like I think there's been like almost like charity or cause-based beers. We got multiple yeah. brewers getting together to do something. Like I, I like when, uh, that's kind of, I think, one of the best scenarios is that, okay. hey, we're all going to get together, recognize this effort, and contribute back. Like, I think that that always makes sense to me. But, um, you know, uh, it, it's it's tricky in Texas because legally we're not allowed to work with a retailer in a collaborative way. Which is why they go out of state, right? You know, so... Um, but could you work with another brewer, I guess? Yes. So for yeah. us, since we're a manufacturing brewer, like it would have to be with another manufacturing brewer. So, but the problem is, is that if 90% of the breweries in Texas have brew pub license holder, we're not, technically not supposed to be working with them. So a lot of times what people do instead of calling it a collaboration is you just go over and brew with them. It's like a guest brew. Right? Oh, okay. And so you just, it's just funny. It's like, what are you calling it? Right. So, like, we've it's done that, game. you know, we've, we've definitely, like, hung out and brewed with other brewers, you know, because that's fun, because basically, like, you're, like, it's almost like getting together with your friends and cooking, mm-hmm. you know, barbecuing or something. Like, somebody's running the grill, but you're all kind of mutually... Mutually kicking uh, it in. Helping, yeah, so... Or a, a, I think you, oftentimes, too, like, there are some people that may have access to ingredients that maybe you can't get, and so, um, you know, those are always kind of interesting, too, or somebody's, like doing something that's new or maybe you know you guys both stumble upon something that's kind of different and that's where I say the meeting of the minds you know because if you're making a certain style and, and, it, and it's exemplary let's just say and then mm-hmm. you meet another brewer from another part of the country that's doing something similar like it's kind of fun getting together and comparing notes like do you have a favorite part of the country you like to drink beer in if you're like if I'm going to travel and drink beer oh, I, so like I would be of... like Texas duh <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to travel out of the great state of I, Texas. I still like Denver and Boulder. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I like I like visiting Colorado and trying Colorado beers. I just, I actually just did a trip, though, to San Diego for the first time in 20 years. And so that the was. Whale's vagina. That was pretty epic. Like, there's a lot of good breweries out there. So that was really fun. Um, and I mean, a couple years back, I went to Portland. So uh, I would say experience, uh, the three, those three I mentioned were. Yeah. I did the uh, Surf and Suds uh, in um, north of LA, some little beach community, which I forget the name now. But there were 50 breweries there. Dude, and that was that was fun. The, I, mean, I went to Pizza Port at Ocean Beach, 
go Who's to that? order a beer and there's the bartender from the bitter end that I worked with no. 20 years ago. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. Nice. He recognized me too. I was like, awesome. I did. Uh, I spent some time in uh, Brooklyn and got to see some of the, uh, by the way, New York coming up. Yeah. That Northeast section, which seems to be the slowest to change, right? I mean, they 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 see Monster and Red Bull and, and they see Pete's Coffee and, and, and Coffee and Tea leaving Starbucks. Like, we have Dunkin' Donuts. Get the fuck out of a state. I mean, they just, <laughs> like, listen, I, I think, do a coffee and a donut. That's what I do. But they seem to be embracing uh, microbrews. Well, I mean, so you have the, I think you have different eras too. So you have like the Vermont, you know, little outcrop that like yeah. pumped out a lot of beer and like, and then, you know, Maryland. But, you know, I think the thing is, is not many of the East Coast breweries were shipping beer, especially not to Texas. Yeah. So um, I think that there's less familiarity, at least on my end, with all the brewers on that part of the country just because they just don't ship out west as far. Like, I mean, Allagash have had, um, you know, Dogfish Head. You know, there's definitely, like, Sweetwater came from, you know, so you, oh, you're right. starting to see them. But, I mean, I just think that most of the East Coast breweries tended just to I mean, they're pretty that populated, so, yeah. I've seen a lot of, uh, and once again, we'll tie this a little bit back to film. Like, films are made here, but they're also, they're getting made a lot more in Georgia and in the Carolinas because of tax subsidies. Yeah, and there's actually, there's a huge uh, AB distributorship where they're filming. They've turned part of their giant facility into a film. Into area. a film? And then, and then <laughs> you look at, but then you look at the Carolinas as well, right? And Sierra Nevada just put a big monster almost resort a getaway a cathedral of beer <laughs> a yes just a craziness of beer uh the other people that do um beer here in austin they just put the big brewery up north um uh, oscar blues oscar blues yeah. they've got one out there as well they've got one in colorado one out there one here Gee, is, is that a goal of your guys's or, or one, one day they're like hey guess what there's a there's a hotel here now you guys can stay here drink all of our beer Relax. I always thought it'd be really fun to have a beer spa. Like I've always wanted to do a beer spa. Because when I was on my honeymoon, we went to Germany. We were in Austria, and uh, we were, uh, you know, this is really pre-smartphone. So you you go to a little visitors bureau, and I get the map, and I look on the map, and there was like a beer museum, and I was like, whoa, we got to check that out. Hundred percent. And so Stiegel Brewery, which is named after these big stairs that go from like the top down to where there's this monastery brewery, um, or there's Augusteiner and then there was Stiegel, so I might be getting mixed up. But I think in the Stiegel facility, they turned their old malting house into this beer museum. It's like three stories, like we spent way too much time there. But one of the books, one of the things they had was um, about this, you know, middle ages kind of guy uh, who had this idea that beer was, had all these healthy properties and like he would have beer baths and like all these treatments and stuff and i was like dude this would be amazing like i'm gonna do a hot scrub or like you know just oh like, i like that like some hot tub action oh, a little oatmeal stout some hot oils uh massage and stuff like Ooh. it would be awesome so instead of that weird vanilla thing they put under your nose and yeah. just put some hops into your nose and I'm like i want some high alpha uh <laughs> Pop oil. <laughs> How are you not doing this right now, young lady? Uh, I just need a little bit more money. We gotta make um, some money. You know? Make a couple, couple <laughs> gotta run a couple more pennies. It definitely together. like can't happen in our warehouse park. I don't think I have much uh, visitors out that way. So fresh off the airplane, like what are you doing? I'm going to the hops bath. Yeah. What are you gonna do? I'm sorry. What? I used to make the joke. I bring people out here, um, and you guys were down there. But before there was more breweries that kind of took off down there with um, high brewing and all the other ones down there. 
is I would always tell my dad joke, they'd be like, well, we're going to just do a Texas two-step. I'm like, huh? I'm like, yeah, we go at the landing strip, we get a shot, we get a lap dance, <laughs> just one, and then we leave. I'm like, this doesn't sound like fun. I'm like, it's not. People have been shot in that parking lot. Yeah. Welcome to Austin. <laughs> they'd be like, I don't want to do the Texas two-step. I was like, well, we're going to do it. And it's, you know, but it was, now it'd be like one of those things where it's like, what are you going to go do? We're going to go to beer facial real quick. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I, I've always heard having a beer in the shower oh, uh, no, energizes, shower beers energizes you and gets you. So I, I take a cold shower in the morning now mm-hmm. and uh, it just starts off cold and it moves to lukewarm. Yeah. My wife would be like, it's Thursday. Oh, are you really doing this? And I walk out outside. I've got a towel wrapped around. She says, we have neighbors. I'm like, well, neighbors shouldn't be nosy. We yeah. have a fence. Not like you're, yeah. Even, not, if, not, even if you're like totally nude, it's Austin. Yeah. Like it's I've got a pool here. I like to swim <laughs> naked here when you're not home. She's like, what do you stop everything you're doing? Why? I walk out, beer fridge, open it up, grab a beer, 10 in the morning, walk back in, turn on the shower, step in, ice cold, start drinking a beer. She's yeah. like, oh, you're doing a podcast today. I'm like, yep. <laughs> this is the most annoying thing in the world. I always think, for me, shower beers, I love it when it's like, you know, super hot days, and it's about three in the afternoon, and you kind of got that afternoon fatigue set in, yep. and you're like You've done really a little yard sweaty, yeah. And you just—it's like now, then they got the cold shower, lukewarm with a nice cold beer, like it's the best Perfect. because you are then you're instantly I'm like back in the game. Yeah, I'm awake. Yeah. And that, by the way, that was delicious. Yeah. That was amazing. So. It's uh so, we talked about I uh, used to live in Portland. I used to live in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um. Where else have you lived? I know you went to... So I grew up outside of a town called Paso Robles, California, which is... I know Paso. Uh, Very well. Did not have Firestone Walker when I was a child. Um, what do you think of Firestone Walker? Oh, man, great beer. It's a great Good beer, people. isn't it? Yeah. It's really... So, I really enjoy it. And actually, I got to go... Um, it was quite a few years ago now to their facility um, before they did a big expansion... Uh, so really good stuff going on there. Um, when I was growing up, it was uh, the community was very small. It was uh, we lived way outside the city limits, and um, my parents were kind of like a back to the earth kind of late seventies. We're gonna move out to the middle of nowhere, um, and so it was originally like almond growing, and then a lot of vineyards got put in. So our closest neighbor, the man we bought our property from, had 120 acres of vineyard. And then oh, we, wow. had bought, we had 30 acres. We were like the little pocket. Like we funded his winery basically by buying that property. So um, it was like a lot of my best friend growing up, they had a winery. So grew up around wine way more than beer. Um, and also, which is not big here in, in Texas, but is one of the greatest things to eat. Tri-tip is big and passive. Oh yeah, we always had that. But so here we have fajitas though, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just do skirt steak instead of tri-tip. Yeah, but tri-tip is... It's delicious. My it's, mom always made it, yeah. Yeah. And you, you ask a butcher here for some tri-tip, make, and they're just like, huh? She would make tri-tip like fajitas, though. Oh, great. really? Yeah, but she would smoke them on the, on the grill. Wow. My uh, my dad didn't know really about tri-tip, and I was like, you gotta, you got to try the tri-tip. So I've been 100% converted to the Mexican food in Texas, though, hands down. Like, San Antonio to Austin is like, nah. I mean, I've traveled where's a lot your, of Texas here, now. Here in Austin, where's your favorite Mexican restaurant? 
Well, it depends on what you're in the mood for, but um, let's go Sunday after after a fun weekend of drinking Margarita beers. Margarita Sunday, that's why. Margarita, Margarita Sunday, Margarita yes. Sunday. Um, there's a little place by our house called Echo in Mexico that is delicious. That's my favorite place lately. That's uh down off uh, William Cannon. William Cannon. We're yeah. in the same neighborhood. Yeah, it's oh, great. Where that's a great spot. I uh, I don't mind driving a little farther north and hitting up a little Mansell Rancho on a Sunday. Yeah, old school. Because I just I like I like the bob. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, what's the bar? Look it up. That's how we're um, What's the bar? It's great. I'm going to forget the name. When I first started going there, it used to be called Say Salsa on South First. La Pos- no, not La Posada. Um, can't think of it. I haven't been there in a while, though. But we used to go there. That was our spot for a long time on South First Street. Now, you know down in our neighborhood, they're building a super huge torches. Yeah. I mean, torches will hit the spot when you're when you're busy or, you know, kind of... I think it's a great little... We've got, we've got 20 minutes... Yeah. I'm not going to go sit down. Yeah. I'm going to actually probably have a beer while I'm waiting. I believe yeah. they sell your amber there, if they I'm do. not mistaken. Yeah. I love yeah. torches. Don't get me wrong. But it's, <laughs> it's, so we had the pleasure of working with um, these two uh, taco journalists that wrote uh, the taco. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding Hard pause. Yeah. Yep. Taco journalists. Taco journalists. Yep. Um, and they wrote this book called The Tacos of Texas. They went like 4,000 miles around Texas, like hunting out tacos near and far and hard to get. And, you know, wrote a whole great book about it. It, it focuses on, like, the Rio Grande Valley, El Paso, Corpus, uh, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, and Houston. And they're like, and, and one in Lubbock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. Uh, so, you know, having, like, I, I remember meeting those guys, and I was like, hey, you really need, I heard them on the Texas Standard, which is a great uh, public radio show yep. here. I, I always listen to that show. And um, I was listening to their story. I'm like, hey, I love these guys already. And B, like they need some beer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we partnered up with them, and they were just doing like, um, you know, these pop up parties to promote their book, like all over Texas. I'm like this is fantastic. Like I learned a lot about tacos, like more than I ever knew. I, I bought the book, like I tried some recipes. You know, I'm. How'd you do on trying the recipes? Pretty good. Yeah. Good. I still can't make tortillas though. I, I don't have the. I need to sit there and warm. I need to sit with someone making them. I don't have the the, the touch yet. <laughs> But, uh, so actually it's really exciting because they just finished up, so the book kind of led, and the, all these parties led to um, uh, this film. It's actually like a PBS digital um, show. So oh, they wow. recreated, they went to all the same spots and they filmed everybody, and so it's like, it's all happening again. We're getting the band back together. We're about to do a bunch of parties uh, to promote the show, and so I've learned, I don't know, to me it's like, that's the hard part about answering that question because San Antonio is so different than Corpus. That's so different than I mean, you go down to down way south, and it's like Barbacoa, and uh, you know, it's just there's so many actual variants and, and traditions. Is it Angeline's on uh, East Seventh? Uh, yeah, right I'm over there that does that does the, the Barbacoa tacos. <laughs> really, they've got delicious corn tortillas. Probably the best corn tortillas I've ever had. In fact, I would say the best corn tortillas I've ever had. A little bit thicker, and they don't break as much. They've just they've done something special to them. I don't know what it is. It, with my luck and my health, it's probably more long, which is okay. So but they are they're we delicious. We did a thing at Tamale House East. Oh, and, nice! Uh, That's a good spot. Yeah, I'm with. So I mean, I'll, I'll if I'm on the east side, I'll go there. Um, there's also. Uh, what do you think about the uh, real quick? Did I interrupt? What do you yeah. think about the uh, Korean infused tacos? 
I dig it. The barbecue, like Korean beef yeah. barbecue tacos, I dig it. It's and like good. brisket tacos, hands down. Like Valentina's brisket tacos. Murder. I mean, if I'm hungover, that's uh, that is my salvation. <laughs> well, I mean, you're a human. You're gonna get home. These are these are these are the things that happen. I to, really to like ceviche and and like you really? seafood side. Yeah, yeah. I learned so when I was going to UT, taking Spanish, and uh, we went to um, I'm gonna forget the name of the place. But we had to go, we went to this restaurant, and we had to learn how to make ceviche, but we could only speak in Spanish. And it was the first time I'd ever had it, and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, citron, you know. <laughs> like, I was like, I barely knew what we were doing, but, and then I had it, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, it's really delicious. It's so citrusy and fresh and cooling and a little, you know, pepper. So, I So then do you like what's whatever the, the cold tomato soup is? I forget the name no, of it. No, I don't like the You don't gazpacho. like that? No, no gazpacho, but you like but you like ceviche. Ceviche is just so unique because again, it's like, hey, there's different traditions and yep. like what seafood do they add? And so actually when we first and also there's a beer we make, I know you're not in the sours, but there's a Berliner rice we make. And I was like, man, this would just be amazing with ceviche. Now, I would tell you this. I would do your sour if it was with the tomato base in the ceviche. Then I would do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, it just depends. Well, once again, I'm a mixer, right? I'm I'm kind of one of those weird. So, I actually like adding a little bit of cucumber in it. Uh, It does ceviche and like avocado. I know it may not be traditional, but um, they're all really great flavors. And so, the cucumber redbud, especially with um, ceviche, is like... So good. <laughs> now, are you more than, after this taco experience, are you more taco than barbecue, or? Oh, no, it's both. I mean, we're in Texas. It's got, I mean, brisket is, you know, hands down, just, it's really hard to explain to people why we're so obsessed, why Texans are so obsessed with barbecue, but it's because of brisket, and that's what the main difference is, I think, that, you know, I know certain areas of the country have their specialties, you know, but. Um, sauce or no sauce, lady? No sauce. No sauce? Not very uh, often. If I do, it might just be like a drop on the side or something. If you, so if you're doing the white bread, yeah. you're making a sandwich with some pickles and onions. Then I might oh, put a little. If you're doing sauce. a sandwich, I want the hottest sauce you can yeah. give me. So if it, I'm just eating the meat, no. But if I'm having making the sandwich, yeah. Because I mean, it's white bread. So. Your, your favorite spots that you like to hit up? Uh, Valentina's. Valentina's um, is good. I La know. Barbecue, Micklethwaite. If yeah. you can manage to wait the line, and. Uh, <laughs> What's the, uh, there's, um, there's, there's a couple of places that I like that are, that, are, that are off the beaten path. In our neighborhood, Don's Barbecue. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like Don's. Yeah. Listen, Actually, Don's is a good breakfast. Taco I, in the morning? We worked with a guy that's Evan Leroy. He's okay. set up by Cosmic uh, Coffee Shop now. He's Ooh. done real crazy stuff. That's, it's delicious. Have uh, you been to the slab at the Y there on 29071? I haven't tried them yet. I've always heard really good things. I just haven't been there yet. It's not bad. I mean, it's not yeah. great. It's not. I mean, like, oh, dude, Style Switch opened a place down south too. What? In Dripping Springs. Yeah, the Style Switch is good. Goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. Not goosebumps because that is. Yeah. I'll take and, and I mean, I don't mean this as a knock in a negative way. I don't. I'm not a fan of Salt Lake. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm not. I'm not against it, but I'm not like it's not. I understand the destination part, yeah. right? And, and by the way, I like their wines. Yeah. I really do actually like that. Like, I'll go down there and buy their wines, and I'll actually buy their seasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't mind their sausage. See, to me, it's like if you're going to start that conversation, we got to talk about Lockhart. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Smiths and Blacks. And I mean, Blacks is the jam. Yeah. 
It really is. So, uh, you're going to make to, a trip out of it. you got to go to Lockhart. <laughs> I used to live next to Franklin Barbecue, uh -huh. so I would see it sometimes when there wasn't a line. Uh -huh. You're like, so <laughs> then I wouldn't, I wouldn't, so now I won't wait in line, yeah. right? It's like the, the privileged there child. There are a lot of times you can manage to get it without the line. It's without weird. the line, there's a lot of times. So I would see it and be like, oh, honey, there's, and my, at the time, like my wife was pregnant. Uh -huh. so like, Franklin's is so good, but it's like, I'm not uh, going to, yeah. Get the shredded pork sandwich. <laughs> It's you know six inches tall. It's got the bun and everything, and then she's like, get the uh, get this sauce and get, and get the cappuccino sauce. Yeah. And that's why I asked about sauce because some people make a really good sauce. Yeah. That up, but. So do check it I out. I do have an app. So Franklin's when they was first getting started, so Lou, the uh, John Mueller had yeah. set up shop, and he was over, uh, you know, not not a little east of the UT campus, but um, Aaron was set up near this there was like a coffee roasting facility a little startup coffee roaster and so he was using that coffee rub and like we had a uh, uh, convict hill he would use a little bit to as a base of a sauce that's one of our, our stouts so we met him at this pop it was like a coffee event uh and guess what coffee guys are not don't have the camaraderie that the beer community has stop are you serious no i'm serious like they not they, that, like, not they, that not, i mean no offense they hate hanging out with each other like they can't do it and so it was really funny because uh, there's a great magazine in town called Edible Austin. Yeah, I and love they're it. like, hey, you know, you, breweries do this all the time. Like, let's get all the coffee roasters together. Just a and bunch of different like, high school cheerleaders. Like, uh, like tiger eyes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but that was the very first time I met uh, Aaron Franklin, and he had the his pit set up right there by it was something owl roasting. Uh, anyway, blue owl. No, it wasn't blue owl. It was okay. something else. But. Um, so yeah, it was really, you know, how, you know, it's sort of like, dude, and then just seeing like, you know, I think that's just such a great story because it's like, you know, you, you just really stuck with it. You have your vision, you know, you do the hard work, put in the time. I mean, you're getting up at the butt crack of dawn, picking the best meat, doing the wood, like he did the welding work himself. Like, have you seen like the uh, PBS show yeah. that he does? And so, he's... I mean, he's all in. He's all in it. But once again, he's, he's like your guys' story, right? Yeah. He's, he's the entrepreneur story that everyone goes, oh, uh, you know, he, uh, no, he didn't stumble across this. No. He didn't, there's not, there's no accidents in this. No. There's, there's work ethic in this. And when you think about the work ethic and why, well, I wouldn't wait. First of all, if you like barbecue, at least once you wait in line for it. Or you right. figure out when there's no line. Out of respect. Not right. because, but just out of respect for, for the work that he's done. If you're not, if you want to try it. For the first time ever, you wait in line out of the respect in the years that that man put into making great barbecue to where he's on the map to well, where people wait in line. And wise up, get some beer, get a lawn chair, you wait in line. Yeah. It's, it's actually really fun. It's like tailgating. It is. It's, <laughs> it, it is it is Texas's year-round tailgate. Yeah. Now, do you guys do a tailgate for UT? Or do you um, supply beer or do yeah, anything like that? Yeah, we've done a bunch of different ones over the years. So since football season's right around the corner. I know. Um, actually, this year, so we have a group of friends that does one. That we always give a little bit so, of beer to. A little spoiled. Getting out a little easy. <laughs> Secondly, uh, so we're going to work with Kendra Scott this year and do her tailgate. The jewelry maker. Oh, and Kendra Scott is a tailgate? I know, right? <laughs> no, no, seriously. I'm no, sure. they're doing a big tailgate. Know, so that's not a knock shock. That's like a big good for her. Because yeah. there are a lot of women that go to these games yeah. that are also dialed to the nines. Yeah. There are dudes in men's jerseys and cargo shorts <laughs> and women rolling. I'm like, I'm sorry, is there a prom? What's happening? Well, you know, it's funny because I've definitely been to some places that me, uh, tradition-wise, like tailgate better than UT does, but I think UT has some of the most attractive women at the tailgates. Yeah, <laughs> UT, 
UT brings in, and they're like, I'm sorry, what's going on here? Once again, is there a prom? Is there a dance? Is there something happening? It's amazing. I mean, good for them. Uh, yeah, we had some friends that had a, a website called Longhorn Nation. Okay. Um, so we did their tailgate. Uh, I don't, you know, they don't really run the site anymore, but like we stuck with them. Nice. Um, and then, uh, you know, last, a couple years ago, we worked with like the UT grad students, like from the MBA program. They had okay. a tailgate. So sometimes we just change it around. Uh, but since um, the, one of the guys that works at the brew is friends with somebody from Kendra Scott and they're like, hit us up. And we're like, yeah, that'll be fun. That's different. Random. Let's just awesome. do something different. I love that it's different, right? Yeah. I, mean, I really love that it, it seems out of left field, but. I also love breaking the stereotype. The businesses around, so here's the thing about any city that works like Austin. It's like, you know, business owners take care of each other, right? It's like, hey, you started in Austin, like, great. You know, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. There's just so many people, like, in the, you know, when we first, when I first walked in the bar, you told me a story about the woman that bought this bar. And it's like, it was, you know, yeah. here in town, I can name so many people where, you know, years ago when I was just a 21-year-old dipshit, you know. Uh, <laughs> How I dare these, you? I you were always smart. How <laughs> dare you? Well, I, I need to listen and learn. How about that? <laughs> uh, but, you know, you run into people now and you're like, hey, I remember when you were a bartender. I remember you were a door guy or whatever. Now they own bars. Are they running this? And, and it's like just like that in the bar and service industry and restaurant community here in town. I feel like there's certain businesses that, you know, hey, my neighbor runs this. Like... Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. I want to help you. Yeah, I'm what I was telling you. you, like, my buddy who runs a Boulevard Sports Bar and Grill up in Far West. Yeah. Sells his shit out of Stash IPA. He loves it. <laughs> and Bubs. He only drinks Bud Light. Bubs. Bubs. Let me tell you, that beer moves. Bubs. You want one? Bubs. <laughs> you came all the way up here for a meeting, and then you sat in my parking lot for five minutes to come in here and have a burger. I'm going to buy you a beer. I'm like, Jay, thank you very much. You're the best in the world. And he buys me a beer. And it's, I'm like, oh, yeah. And, and I, I only have two of the beers on tap there. Not there's anything wrong with any of the rest. It's either Stash or it's Thirsty Go. Mm-hmm. And I, I like both very well. But it's funny because he knows. And then my he'll make my daughter, my daughter's very small. So uh, <laughs> Chef Drew does it for her when he's around. And the other chefs do it for her when he's not around. And then he does it. And there's another restaurant that does it as well. But they make her mac and cheese, and they uh-huh. make her a special, really cheesy mac and cheese. So when she does a podcast with me, and we're driving up north to do a podcast, I'm like, oh, you know, this is in the summer when the school's not in, and she's in kindergarten, and it's like, oh, that, that's the road we exit for Mr. J's. Can you text him? I would like some mac and cheese today, please. I'm just like, oh. It's a Wednesday, so I know he's working. I'm like, hey, Jay, do you mind? Harper would really like some mac and cheese. And he goes, yeah, of course. That's <laughs> and I come in. And they're like, I'm, he goes, just tell me when you're coming in. Because he likes to do this whole presentation to her. Nice. So does, I, I mean, so does Drew and everyone else. They're very, she's so spoiled. Like, I can't wait till she hits the real world. I'm like, kid, this is not the real world. Yeah. <laughs> Your dad's an idiot. This is not the real world. I should not have actually exposed you to these people that you've manipulated them into making you really good stuff. And she, she comes in and she's like, I'm hungry. And he goes You've in. Developed here's, her palate. Yeah, <laughs> developed her palate. She's like, here's your mac and cheese. He's like, Here, here's your stash, bubs. I'm like, yeah. oh, thank you so much, Jake. Because you want a burger? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take whatever, whatever, you, whatever you're making. And he goes, well, what do you want? I'm like, what's the burger you haven't made in the longest time? And he's like, you asshole. And then he goes and he gets, sorry, we're, we're close. Oh, hi, Bex. <laughs> my wife just walked in. And so I'm telling a story about my daughter. So, uh, so we did the... Um, so he gets, 
he gets her the mac and cheese, gets me a beer and a burger. You know, the poor waiter comes by and he's like, hey, so how do I service this? And then Jay's sitting down with us and he's like, uh, I got this tab, bubs. Don't worry, I'm like, Jay, are you, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, yeah, no, no, don't, don't, don't worry about a thing. And we're all hanging out and having a good time. It's one of those, I mean, with all those great Austin stories of relationships. And I guess I bring it up because I want to ask you, in the grand scheme of things and everything that you've done and building this brewery, I know how important relationships are here. Yeah. I wonder what are some of your favorites. To the, the people that, that you know, or you, it puts a smile on your face when you yeah. see them. And even if you don't have the day-to-day -day yeah. interactions you have with them today, but you're like, oh no, these are, these are my people that, that, I, that I love. I always give them a hug. So for, for me, uh, when I was working at Bitter End, uh, I remember when the Alamo Draft House first started on uh, Colorado Street, the original one. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not there anymore. And it was just such a cool idea. Like years before I even thought about starting a brewery, you know, they were just doing really cool stuff, cool programming. Um, you know, you could get food and beer at the movie theater. Who would have thought, you know? I was like, these guys know what to do, you know? So, you know, come years later, um, when we had an opportunity, you know, they kind of like visited the brewery and we got to know those guys. And um, it's almost from like day one, probably because of John Gross, actually. Yeah, our, uh, our mutual friend. Our mutual friend. Sweet John. Um, that, you know, we kind of all headed off. And uh, I just think, considering we're gonna be 14 years now, the fact that I've been working- Overnight success, you know, right? yeah. Overnight, overnight success. 14 years of working with those guys, it's sort of like, you know, they're just the most fun to work with. They come up with cool ideas. Um, you know, we just, for Native Texan, we came up with this idea together where, you know, we wanted to celebrate movies that were recorded in Texas, filmed in Texas, or Texas filmmakers. And we went to every, almost every Alamo draft house across the state of Texas and um, basically like sampled beer in the lobby, native Texan beer, and people could get into the movie for free. And they were like, of course, they're the only one, you know, people to do something like this, right? So I mean, we went all the way out to Lubbock, to El Paso, uh, down to Corpus. Uh, we, we actually did show Days and Confused down in Corpus. The funniest one I thought was Office Space in Las Colinas. Uh, that was perfect. Well, how does Office Space tie into Texas? It was filled here. Actually, no. right down, so the office park is literally right down the street from the brewery where they film those scenes. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. So, um. Learn something new every day. I told you kids, watch your toes. She's dropping knowledge. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I've enjoyed working with those guys over the years. Um, they just kind of get us, like, the top-notch guys. We've done a bunch of stuff with them over the years. Um, you know, actually, somebody that I really enjoy working with um, that's been an early supporter was, like, Jack Allen's Kitchen. Know those chefs for a long time. Those guys, by the way, they put together it's so a good. fantastic and they, menu. They really, like, you know, source locally and, you know, the whole farm-to-table concept, I feel like they were very, you know, much ahead of their time. So I've always enjoyed what those guys are doing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, it, it may be kind of cheesy. I, I've really appreciated our working with Brown Distributing over the years. Even though they can be very tough and it's like they sell Budweiser, like they've still been like a huge supporter of us and like we wouldn't have been able to do what we've done without the effort that they put in. So, I mean, it's not the first answer that comes to mind per se, but you know, I feel like. No, that's kind of awesome that, though, right? Because there, like in, a, in a big distributor where we picked on Budweiser a little yeah. bit throughout this podcast, they know and they support and they give you guys love yeah. and, they, and they do. They do what's right, if you will, by, by you and I'm assuming by the other people that they take on. Because you hear one or two things. It, it, 
I, I negate. Well, they care uh, about the quality. Yeah. And they, they will ensure cold transport. They clean the lines well. You know, they, they really like care about Do you remember that when you had to clean the lines when you had Matt Brown? Yes, I did it. I was, <laughs> I was our draft tech and I did install it too. Stop. Are you serious? I am 100% oh serious. Oh my gosh. That's actually, work. I like, I, so cleaning lines was how you heard all the gossip. Every that's bar, actually, that's actually how you get all the news. Like so and so is opening this and it's like, I love cleaning lines. You learn everything about a place. That's actually <laughs> true. But I, I, I put I put um, distributing and like public relations and marketing in the same world, right? Okay. Where it's like you either do a stellar job and you knock it out of the park, or you got stuck with someone because they don't do a good job. And it's but it's, it, there's never a middle ground. Right. There's never an average distributor. Right. There's great ones and there's shitty ones. Or like you have the mindshare, or you totally don't. Yes, I've got a book of seventy-two different beverages. <laughs> You're 73. Welcome. I've yeah. laminated you. Do you know how important that is? What's the best is when somebody actually specifically like asks for your beer. So you direct them to the distributor and then the guy's like, we don't carry that. And you're like, actually, you do. You do. <laughs> it's on your website. Yeah. It is? Oh, yeah. sweet baby Jesus. I, I did a podcast with uh, so uh, a month ago. Uh, there was a group that uh, helped us out. I won't, I won't put them on blast. Um, I'll be very cautious and kind about this because I love them. They're a beer company and they, they came in they're like, hey, I really want to be part of the podcast. And they go, great. If you want to sponsor a month, it's fine. You, you, what you do is you give me beer and then you write a check to a charity and we do a live event at a bar. It's just how it works. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not big enough to want your money. I'm for sure big enough to want a couple of free beers. <laughs> we do 300 downloads a day. I'm going to want a beer. And they're like, okay. So like, we want to do it at this bar for this thing very famous headlining comic friend was like her dad suffers from Alzheimer's we get the Alzheimer's group in we do the whole thing people who now are listening to this podcast go I know who it is uh, we went to a bar to do it they don't sell their beer in that bar no I didn't know this because yeah. I mean why they, I asked, but they picked that bar right but they picked it not me so they picked it I picked here Dirty Bills and if we picked Dirty Bills like Leslie would have gotten it and I assume because they picked the other place that that's where they sell their beer. Yeah. And uh, my buddy Nick, who's one of the owners, uh, I play basketball with him. I said, hey, I want to ask you first. Do you mind if I do this? He goes, dude, anything you want. Like, and I've brought some big names to his bar, and I've done some stuff with him, and we've had a lot of fun. I mean, I brought Ludacris to his bar, and he performed and did a private concert without no one knowing that Ludacris was showing up. So Nick's always like, hey, buddy, Mr. Allen, the guy who runs this runs this place with Leslie is, is in here now. Buddha's not here, which kind of no, breaks my heart. No, I didn't bring him. You didn't bring him. So we do this whole thing, and all these fans of this beer show up. 20 fans of this beer show up. And they don't sell the beer there. So the money well, that they were going to raise by selling their beer, and by the way, the bar was like 20% of whatever we sell here, we're giving back to this charity. Did they just not know their customer? I mean... No, I just think they were just excited. Yeah. And so then I took the check that they were going to give me and I just said, hey, just give it to the charity. Like, right. don't, don't mail me a check. Because I felt bad for the charity. Yeah. And I have a friend whose dad suffers from Alzheimer's who I'm doing this because I'm trying to support her and everything she's doing with Alzheimer's. Like, there's a whole bigger thing mm -hmm. of an A-list comic who was a headliner for Moon Tower with Jeff Dye and other big people. I'm like, you guys, 
But they're up in Montana. They're in Bozeman. They're like, oh, that's, oh, who cares? It's all good. We're going to come down there and do a whitewater, or we're going to do a, a thing on the lake. Do you want to join us? Yeah. Like, you guys, I love you, and I love your beer. I really do. And I like everything that you do, and I like the fact that you give money back in every city you, you know, you're sold, and you're like Target for beer. I like it. You want to recycle? I like it. Hey, man, get your shit together. It's good to be nice, but nice without direction is bullshit. Right. I mean, it's really tricky. I mean, there's been plenty of causes that we've donated to over the years where you don't even say anything. You just do it because you want to do it. And it's like, it's really tricky because, I mean, in some regards, if you're giving, like, a lot of money or a lot of beer or whatever, like, you do kind of want to at least get recognized. But for the most part, I think if you're doing it for the right reasons, you don't really care it's acknowledged or not. Like, the people that are benefiting is all you really need from that. So Yeah, it's, it's like the little, it's the goo. And, and I only say this not to pat ourselves on because I want every community in Austin to do it. I do that dumb barbecue at the last Saturday of every, of every September. Uh-huh. And we always buy our local beers, and then we get a distributor to give us a, a generic beer for something uh, but we do it and I bring it up only because once again there's someone else here in Austin in a different community or in the same community I actually don't care free beer free hot dogs free brats and you get ketchup and mustard that's where it ends and begins yeah. <laughs> ketchup and mustard like I'm not running a fucking restaurant yeah it's all I want to do but everyone brings a donation Sometimes it's $100, sometimes it's $10. I don't care. Yeah. People sit, they drink, neighbors get together, they have a good time. Every beer coming is done. It's like, uh, when I go deliver the money, I'm like, hey, we raised this so much money, do you want to come with me? They're like, no. Oh, you don't? No. Um, we're good. Because it's for the food bank. Right. And I'm like, oh, well, it's for the food bank. Like, Dude, I don't, I'm not. Folks from the Capital Food Bank like, work really close to us now when they move warehouses. So oh. how we do it is like, hey, to give them beer? happy hour. Oh, well, that's awesome. If they want to come and relax and hang out at the tap room, then it's easier for us to take care of them. And we've done like a lot of food drives that way. Uh, or I don't say a lot. Like we try to do one good one a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's many ways to like t- take care of people. And there's uh, a weird thing, by the way, real quick, <laughs> the food bank. And then I want you but sorry to interrupt, but they... Uh, their biggest thing, they have so many people to get food, they don't have enough people to package the it's food. The labor. It's yeah. the labor part. Yeah. So we've done the labor part now as well, which I, I freaking love, because it's like, oh, there's not enough people that want to put a can in a box. Yeah. There's enough people that want to give the cans or give the cash right. or do whatever. Not enough to put a can in the box. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Like, let's just do it all. Let's have some fun. Every company I've worked for, I'm like, we'll do a blood drive. We're going to go work at the food bank. And yeah. they're like, like, we're going to raise money? I'm like, no. We're going to go work yeah. at the food bank. Yeah. Because they do so much hot food as well. Yeah. They need that all packaged up as well. Well, it's interesting. So I got to visit the Thirsty Planet Brewery, which took over the old Capital Area Food Bank uh, facility. So How's that brewery, by the way? Is it? Uh, good. No, I mean, I, they, yeah. they're not like open to the public yet, but they were hosting um, a day for, um, it's like a pint Pups or another I another invitation of mine that got lost. I don't know. It's uh, fine. All these <laughs> events kind of sound the same sometimes, but so we're there, and um, he, uh, the owner was showing me they actually had to remove cold room space, which is sort of unheard of in a brewery because you're like always want cold room space, but um, because the capillary food bank's freezer was so big, you know, so he was showing yeah. me where they took some out, but 
Um, it, I think it's actually good that where they moved to now, they've got more space and they're they're really close. That's nice. I mean, I I also that's one of my favorite things about Austin, right? Is the give back. There, there's 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 uh, five people that email me every episode. Uh -huh. and the door open and close. Yeah. And like, bro, bro. I'm like, hey, you guys, seriously, calm down. One, if you didn't bring beers, uh, Leslie is always very kind about us walking back and grabbing what we want and being very, very, very generous about that. Uh, two, we don't pay for this space. We don't pay for the use of the internet to stream a dumb movie and, and have some fun. And then, which we've referenced, I think, twice or three times. <laughs> God bless us. But uh, it's just it's one of those things where it's like, you guys, seriously, calm down. I mean, it's a squeaky door. And it's a squeaky door for a reason, because if someone's in the back, yeah, getting ready for it, someone opens the door, they know. You're open, you're closed. It's all good. It's, it's funny, and I've, I've learned how to ignore comments. And this is the, I, I bring all this up because I want to ask you, right? Okay. So I don't know where beer lovers or beer haters go to make comments, whether it's Yelp or, or YouTube. I don't, I don't know where I don't know where well, those beer people. Beer Twitter has a special place yeah, in hell. Beer Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> how do you do not? I mean, I've learned not to listen to them. As soon as I hear someone, as soon as I hear someone say this, I like you, but I almost I just delete the email because the but part gets me. I, we get, I don't know, a couple hundred emails yeah. a week, and, and I hear this, hey, you are great, but I just want to tell you, I don't like, and I just delete the email because I like this. Like, this is my, first of all, I, I, I feel bad. There's a part of me that feels because you're like, oh, I've, I've only done really beer-centric uh -huh. podcasts. And then this has been a very beer-centric podcast, yeah. <laughs> loosely based on a fucking movie. Everybody's going to be like, why are you talking about beer the whole time? <laughs> yeah, but there's, that movie was in Austin. You could have made, you could have stopped the conversation in every Austin moment. I mean, we yeah. could have, but we're also, guess what? We're not part of the Austin Chamber of Commerce. Uh, but, but two, I, you know, I, I've learned to ignore the, the haters, if you will. Um, it's just... Is that, is that a thing in the beer so, world? Yeah, so when we first started, uh, so in, you know, 2004, 2005, it really, like, you had websites like Beer Advocate, um, which was a community-based, you know, review-oriented website. And, you know, in some regards, it's, it can be valuable, um, you know, getting that. People used to write these, like, really long, you know, very, very, like, uh, sophisticated reviews, like the... The, the aroma, the, the appearance, and, and you know how did it taste, and everything mouthfeel. I poured and, it in uh, an eight ounce glass and a twelve ounce glass. I want to see the appearance change. You know, I want to let you uh, know right now. But the thing is, is that in order to do the review, you you know, or in order to post there, you had to have these reviews. So after a while, I'm like, are you copying and pasting this other dude's review? Like it was always kind of weird on that site. Versus like now, I would say most of the feedback we get are either people um, that visit the brewery itself. And so I'm always interested in the hearing from people how their experience was. Like I do value that. Um, uh, secondly, like um, there's a there's an application called Untapped. It's oh a, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I actually I kind of like Untapped is kind of hilarious because <laughs> like it's something that people kind of like to complain about in the beer community, but it's also like some people's obsession, like earning all those badges, you know. So I, I like the thing I like about it is I can see where people are having our beer. Number two, like, you know, as we've gotten further away, like, when I see somebody check in beer from Lubbock, I was like, hell yeah. Like, oh my God, somebody wow. just had a beer in Lubbock and, like, bothered to post, you know? So I, I kind of get a kick out of that myself for, like, when, you know, started selling beer out in Arkansas and I like, see somebody post from Arkansas, I was like, cool, you know? Um, I didn't so, think you guys sold in Arkansas. That's yeah, we go. started last summer. Yeah. 
So there's I've, I've, I've one listener that is in Arkansas. Yeah. Get excited. We've met some really cool people in Arkansas. And I mean, up Northwest Arkansas in particular is amazing. So um, I'm going to say, so hold on. To, I'm going I'm to pull up real quick okay. here. Um, Years ago, we canoed the Buffalo River. You canoed the... Way so, before we started the brewery. <laughs> I know we have... So Cedar Park, I'm sure you're in. Uh-huh. Uh, our newest 73 is the Netherlands. Oh. No Netherlands. No, but Amster- I, Amsterdam, I which like is to, also part of the Netherlands, but I'd also really like to sell beer. I'd like to sell some stash in the Netherlands someday. Indonesia, <laughs> yeah, we, have, we have Indonesia. I like that. that's a stretch. <laughs> Indonesia's a little bit of a stretch. It's like, dude, how late is it there? <laughs> what what time is it there? Though? This is what I love about podcasts, right? Is you can see where all these people are downloading. I'm like, uh-huh. I mean, God bless the Netherlands. I guess yeah. because there's like, fuck it, I'm not. I can't. I don't know if there's there's a translator in the movie. I mean, it's hilarious. Indonesia, the same thing. We had a couple from, um, I like, at one point I had 10 from Iran and Iraq. Uh-huh. Like 10 people listening. Aggressively listening for the first, like, I think 10 or 15 episodes. And then I had Tim Kennedy on, the Army Ranger, and, and they, 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 they said, stop listening. They're like, oh, now we're I've never, like, really had to block anybody, per se. Like, that's a weird thing. Like, uh, but there's times. So our most controversial beer that we've ever made Ooh. is Oklahoma Sucks. It is uh, just, way, like, I, kind of a rivalry uh, thing. That we, uh, I'm not mad at Oklahoma Sucks at yeah. all. Uh, it, it was just, like, funny. And it's, like, but some people, that's the one beer, man. Every year when it comes out, like, definitely get comments. A few people pissed off, you know. It's just Brian Ballsworth like, lives... In Austin. You know, so that's the one. Like, and actually, sometimes, like, some years, like, stores are, like, super pumped to, to buy it. And, like, this year, everybody's like, I don't know. I don't want to tick off everybody. You know, and it's just funny because I was like. Because like, UT's not as good? Is that the thing? I speculate that. But one thing that's kind of funny. So we released the beer for Texas OU, right? Okay. But it's, like, the more that Oklahoma, if they're, if they're like, in, if they progress past the regular season, then everybody comes out of the woodwork and is hitting us up. Like, I need to get some Oklahoma sex. So you got, like. Or like Baylor, if they're playing Baylor, like or you know Texas Tech, like you got all these people from all over. It's not just uh, it's not a UT thing. No, it's, it's a not Texas a UT thing. thing. Yeah, and and honestly, like I've had people from Georgia want it because if they're playing, you know, as you get, you know, into the postseason kind of thing, it's like. Uh, so that beer is a really weird one because it definitely brings out strong feelings. It's, um, a, it's, a, it's the pure love hate beer. Yeah. I just think it's it's like a hilarious rivalry, right, to me. Like, some people are like, no, it's not funny. It's real. And I'm like, yeah, but it's kind of funny, you know. It's like you can't take this stuff so seriously. You know, I take beer really seriously, and yet I also am a firm believer that beer's still got to be fun. It's got to be fun. Right? Uh, so, we, did, um, we did a beer with Mackenzie River called – or not a beer. We did a, like a flavored malt, like a Zima but with flavor, called, <laughs> called Sunday. Uh-huh. Oh. And we launched it in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> it was, we are the Sun Devils, kill the Sun Devils. Uh-huh. We sold three semis chilled, full of it. Before in, they give in, you cease in, and desist? No. In, two, in two hours. In two hours. Uh, the cease and desist came at three hours. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we had sold three semis of it. Yeah. Uh, and then we got you know kicked out of Arizona. <laughs> and then it was like, well, you can be in California, Nevada, and then anywhere north. But... Anywhere south of, of, of Nevada, you know, California being, because it's just Mexico. Anywhere south of, of Nevada, across that line, you can't be in. Uh-huh. Which is the only Sun Devil didn't do well in, of course, the other states, because no one really played them. Even the Pac-10 thing, it was just kind of a weird thing. They didn't, they didn't embrace it as much. 
Um, that one, and then the Freeze and Squeeze, which was uh, St. Ives malt beverage, which was in a Capri Sun pouch that was frozen. Uh, oh that you can get the free. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I can only imagine the trouble. We you're kicked like, it was off. Was it carbonated? It was. It should have been carbonated, but it was. Uh, I was sold. That's, into, the, that's a problem with the like. How do you carbonate a pouch? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was sold in New York, and the bodega owners. Not no no. This is not a knock. English is not their first language, but they're they're entrepreneurs. They're running a business, right. and they see ten percent more fruit juice, and they put it in with ice cream and the and the other things. And kids were walking to school with it and getting hammered because it's Saint Ives malt liquor. You had to have the government warning on it, right? So well, we still got we still got, kicked, we still got kicked out of New York, and then the yeah. end kicked out of the U.S. And then again, kicked out of New York and the U.S. Uh, number one place where it went. You want to take a guess? Uh, Japan. Oh. Japan took it by the semi load. They took they took carts of it from she, young ladies, she, young ladies and gentlemen. She's getting herself a stash IPA. I'm working my way up. Uh, she's working her way up. I'm gonna work my way up after we close out this spot. By the way, the movie's ended. In case you guys are, <laughs> in case you guys are following along and you're wondering what the fuck it happened. Uh, the movie ended. We're still having fun. They, they partied at the Moon Tower. They got really high. That's right. Um, they learned their life lessons. <laughs> they learned their life lessons. Uh, I, I'm going to close out with well, let's let's close out, close out with, with with three questions, and then you decide how you want to answer them. But um, a uh, first first rock concert you went to, and why why you looked nice? And she opened it right there on the mic. God bless her. So first rock concert, and why you loved it. Or maybe why you hated it. B. Uh, first beer you had. Because you just we're talking about beer, so yeah. let's just talk about the first first sip of beer you had. And then C, just for fun. First kiss, only one answer, awkward or awesome. So all three of these questions. Yes, yeah, so those are your three questions. So let's we're gonna see. close first, that with that. First rock concert I went to. Um, I saw the Beach Boys when I was real young, and I thought it was awesome. Uh, it was just sort of like, you know, grow up, growing up in California and then seeing the Beach Boys. And when I was a kid, my dad worked for a record company for a while, and so the guys that babysat us um, actually... Were the Beach Boys? They looked <laughs> like the Beach Boys. One had curly hair and one had like the long shaggy hair, and I said, you guys look like the Beach Boys. So I always had a fondness for them, and my dad would pay them in records. Uh, to babysit us, so um, the Beach Boys, and then I had a um, Bo Diddley. Actually, I, I had I went to this concert when I was real, real young. Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley, and it was funny because I was it was at that's, my friend's. That's good roots. My friend's dad owned this winery, right? And then okay. he the funny part is we could never get away with this now, but he hired us. We were like thirteen, and we were like the waitresses, like taking wine all around everybody. <laughs> And, America. Uh, at, at the end, like we got to like hang out. And By the way, the Catholic concert. Church has gotten away from that for a long time. <laughs> okay, so your 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 friend, your dad's friend so, is fine. You know, so we're thirteen, and my friend, I was teaching my friend to dance, and Bo Diddley's up on the stage, and we were dancing like on the grass out in front of this little amphitheater, and he pointed at us, and was like, "Come up to the stage," and my friend was like, "Hell no," and I'm like. Hell yeah, like this guy just pointed to us and we get to go up on the stage. And Bo so Diddley. I danced with Bo Diddley when I was 13 and that was pretty epic. So that's my favorite first. Might, might, might have an influence on why her beer tastes so good. I'm just <laughs> saying, might have an influence. The funny part is the next ladies he pointed to were like 
older women and they went up and they're dancing all sexy so like we ran off the stage so, <laughs> we're like we're not gonna do that but, like uh, not for me well <laughs> this part's not for me all right so let's see second question was first beer yeah first beer you had okay the weird part is i don't really remember but i remember how old i was so before i moved out to the country my dad was working at this record company and i was probably about four years old and my older brother stole some beer it was a company party you know how like big company parties and uh, my, my older brother took this beer and we just wanted to try it. It was probably like a Coors, but it was really hot, you know? So I remember taking a sip and we're like, this is terrible. I don't know why I don't drink this, you know? Terrible. Uh, <laughs> um, probably first next beer that I remember, my dad used to buy like Michelob. <laughs> Ooh, so I Michelob. And the old, like the 80s, like the 80s Michelob. I remember Michelob, remember that weird dragon dog Whatever it was, what was the Michelob emblem? I thought it was a lion. Was it a lion? I, I don't know though. It's been a long time. I can't remember. It was weird. I, uh, and then uh, for uh, then um, awkward or awesome, right? Uh, like, are you talking like little kid kiss or real kiss? Real kiss. Oh, not little kid kiss. That's uh, man, just gotta stretch my memory. <laughs> yes. Let's get some yoga on that memory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, not to brag, but I think I was a really good kisser, so I think it was good. Well, you I mean you're married, so I'm gonna go. Let's <laughs> yeah. say you landed it. Yeah. So first, so kiss, first kiss, not too awkward. Not too awkward. There you go. I like it. Bending at the knees, you know, shaking. Bending at the knees. <laughs> Bending at the knees, playing at ACL this year. A great band name. Didn't think you were gonna go an episode without getting a great band name, you kids. <laughs> you just did. Thank you for this. This was awesome. Yeah, this was a lot really of fun. fun. Uh, I'm glad. You know, it's just the, 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 the con of the movie, the talk of the beer, selfish indulgence by me. I, I greatly appreciate it. We picked the beer because we were about to party at the Noon Tower tomorrow night, actually. Friday night. Sweet. No. What's today? Wednesday or Thursday? Thursday. I mean, it's going to so, go It's gonna go yeah. live tomorrow morning. So, so tomorrow night in Zilker yep. Park, it is the 25th anniversary of Dazed and Confused. Awesome. And Alamo Draft House is doing a special screening. We'll be there. Fantastic. We're, and we're you guys can enjoy. No. You're providing cake stands. <laughs> I held a record at my brother's wedding. I beat all of his friends. 67 seconds for a keg stand. Oh my God. Well, it's part of the, the whole thing of <laughs> me being a superhero. Um, so folks, with that, uh, Independence Brewery, Amy, I can't think of you. Real quick, uh, website, address, where, where's, the, where's the ways that they can get so in touch with you? We are at independencebrewing.com and our social handles are at Brewing. At Indie Brewing? Uh, address, if they're getting off a plane, they want to come from the Netherlands or from Indonesia. <laughs> so we're at 3913 Todd Lane. That's T-O-D-D. 3913 Todd Lane. Uh, folks, we're at 511 West Rio Grande here at the wonderful Dirty Bills. Thank you, Leslie and Alan, for letting us be here and everyone else. Uh, now, as is the tradition, we close out with you all hearing my daughter talking about taking her first poop by herself. Enjoy.